And good morning. Ooh, hello. This is the... We, whenever you're here, Zach, we always have this... Look, I'm never not going to bring you in hot. Glenn. Yeah, it's not always... Not ever going to do it right. It's a, it's a heated... All <laughs> sorts of heat here this morning. Good morning. It is a uh, Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. Zach Goodman from the Bat Around every Saturday morning, except this past Saturday morning. Every e- other every Saturday morning. Every except that right. and like right. four others probably. Oh, yeah? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> Nobody told me about that. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're there 95% of All the right. time. All right. Rocking and rolling. Zach from the Bat Around is in for Griffin today, hanging out with us as uh, who wouldn't want to spend more time talking about a <laughs> great performance from the Birds? Oh, we'll get to it. Um, as the Orioles dropped the opener in Milwaukee last night. Coming up on the program today, we will play a little Would You Rather Wednesday. Scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Facebook, and you can participate, be registered to win. A shirt of your choice from our friends at Birdland Sports, birdlandsports.com. So make sure you get over there and get involved with Would You Rather Wednesday. Later on this hour, uh, a man who I know is a huge Orioles fan, but we won't really have time to talk about the Orioles with him, our buddy Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel. Well, that's the joke you made when I called him. He said, I'd rather talk about the Orioles. Uh, Of course you would rather talk (laughs) about the Orioles. I know we would rather talk about the Orioles. This is, look, this is the funny part. For me, I say this is nice because I don't care at all about golf. So none of this bothers or affects me in any way. Like, it would be devastating to me if I was a golf fan who had done the bit where I, like, tried to take the moral high ground and I had tried to, like, I happen to know there are people that I wanted to have come on today yeah, that we're not going to come on today because this is not a good day for them. But I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care about golf. You can do whatever the f you want. Now, it would be very awkward for me, like, if it was the tennis tours, if something like this occurred yeah. the same way, it would be very difficult for me. But I don't have to care. I don't have to care at all. However, Rex, for his job with the Golf Channel, very much has to care. That's the way that it goes. We'll talk to him about this marriage of the PGA and the uh, the DP tour, which did they? Did well, they, they, they've always when been they, when they named it that. Yeah. Like, did they? No. No. There's no way they thought about. Did that. anybody like just sort of one person <laughs> in a meeting somewhere say like, "Hey guys, maybe not a, a fantastic idea." Maybe with that name. A, maybe we add like another P, like we make it the DPP tour. We can make it the <laughs> DPT, something like that. Just maybe not. Deep. I don't know. That's a conversation for another day. But the thing is, and is that live. I think what people are missing here, and obviously there's the whole live angle to it that we, we, yes. can, we can get to, but the PGA Tour and the DP Tour were already kind of married. Yeah, nobody nobody it, cares about that part. Married that, in the that's, first irre- place. that's irrelevant. It's no, the I, fact I, that they're marrying those that. two to the, the live tour. I get that. It's, and the Saudis are taking over with the biggest amount of money involved. It's, it's a but, whole. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that there is an element of unity to golf mm. that I think... Uh, look, I'm, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Mm. Look, I I am on that moral high ground that yeah. you're talking about. I am I am there. I didn't watch a single live event, and I'm a pretty big golf fan. I watch, okay, I watch a good amount of golf. Look at you. I've never watched a live event because I don't think first you of all, you and everyone else. First of all, the product isn't good. Yeah, it's just not. I mean, there's yeah. there's realistically four guys there who have the chance of winning a major. Well, one of them did, obviously. And he did. Kepka, yeah, Burks yes. Kepka did. But, and obviously, Bryson, Bryson has in yep, the past, sure. and, and Phil Mickelson has done his share of majors. Including very recently, but at I, an I, age where we thought we right. could, that he couldn't. Yes, but I'm talking about the guys who currently can win a major. It's not many of them. Again, probably yeah. four or five. 
So then you have guys like Chase. What, you don't think Taylor Gooch could win a major? <laughs> I, I, I'm, Man's, I'm the sure man has Taylor survived Gooch this major. long in his life with the name Taylor <laughs> Gooch. But I, he's look. named after a taint. I believe he could do whatever he wants to do. It's like Look, a boy named Sue situation going on there. I am 100% sure that Chase Kepka is not going to win no, a major. No, probably not. And guys like that are literally featured in Live Golf. So right, yeah. I, I, I think for golf as a whole, when you look at it and you say, okay, we're going to bring the guys like Dustin Johnson back, and we're going to bring the guys like Brooks Kepka back, and, and I mean, if, no one really cares about Bryson DeChambeau anymore. Was but dissol- this is, oh God, I can't believe I'm actually spending time on this because I don't give a rat's ass. Um, if the Live Tour was dissolving... And those guys are just going back to the mm-hmm. PG. If that, that was, oh, much better result. If the extent of the agreement was, and Drew and I talked about this yesterday, the like that the Saudis just decided, hey, this ain't worth it to us. Like we put a boatload of money in, nobody was watching, nobody gave a rat's ass. Yeah. It was not, it wasn't working. So just do us a favor. We'll drop all the lawsuits. Let these guys go back and play on the real tour, and we can all kind of wash our hands of that. If that's what this was, and the agreement was just let these guys back. No more lawsuits. All's good. You know, pr- pretend even if they said to them, dude, do us a favor to, to try to help them save face. Try to incorporate some of what we're doing. Drew brought up this idea. Like, because I think the team thing is the dumbest thing. Like, I think the team oh, it, golf concept it, and golf. and the NBA's in-season tournament ideas are the two dumbest ideas in all of sports that no one wants and it are not working. What Drew brought up was, well, maybe if you separated them so that the events that you participated in that were team events were not individual events because that's the biggest problem that the Live Tour faces. Like, you're playing an individual golf tournament. Yes. We care who wins the golf tournament. We don't care about anything else beyond that. But if he said, if in order to make it, you took eight events during the year on the PGA Tour and said they were team-only events, then perhaps you could make that interesting. I don't care. I will never care because I don't care about the individual events. So I'll never care about the team events. But maybe a golf person would be into that. I don't know. What I would say is if it was just the Live Tour dissolving and all these guys, to your point, were going back, they are going to be all competing against each other again and the best golfers in the world every weekend would be in the same spot, that would be all well and dandy. The problems, the two biggest problems on paper appear to be the power that the Saudis now have over the PGA Tour because of the monetary investment they're making in this entity. And second fold, the PGA Tour having gone to the lengths that they went to try to create this moral high ground and now just being massive hypocrites in the process. Oh, undoubtedly, which Which, of course, includes the convincing all of their players to not take absurd amounts of money yeah. only to then turn around and take the money themselves. Right. And how in the world they overcome that? Like how in the world they're ever able to look Rory McIlroy in the face again? I have no idea. Now yeah. again, not my problem. And we'll let Rex try to explain it to us a little bit because I for what say whatever you want about these, you know, the Bryson DeChambeaus, the Brooks Kepkas of the world, they at least got some of that money. I don't know if they got all of it. I don't know what's going to happen with those contracts they signed. Yeah. I don't I don't have all those details, but they at least got some of that money. Well, I was going to say, at the end of the day, this is a win for the golfers who went to live. Oh, it's one of the biggest uh, wins in the uh, history of right. sport. They all got, for two years' worth of work, yeah. an insane amount of money that they never deserved. Like, they just were given right. it as a gift. And even if they don't get any more of it, even if right. that, that gravy train is now over, even if it's gone... 
they still got it. Right. And they get to go right back. And there's golfers that I liked. Harold Varner, for example, is a guy who I thought would never go to the live, the dark side of things. Mm -hmm. And he did. And his reason for that was he cited, obviously, money was one of them. But the other reason, and this was the reason most people cited, was that it was an advancement of the game, that the format yeah, was that, more interesting. But that was nonsense. That was and always that, nonsense. Well, I, it was, I'm, I'm it was just the money. It was 100% just the money. Yeah. So I, I don't think there needs to be, really, you talk about the format, I don't think there needs to be a drastic change to the PJ format. No, I don't I, think I, there should be any change. I think that format's tried and true. I think that the what the PGA Tour has done for the past 40, 50 years... If they years, want to let the guys wear shorts, by all means, let the guys wear I shorts. I mean, sure. Who gives a rat's ass about whether it, it, these guys wear shorts yeah, or not? I mean... I can't believe that's something... I mean, that, Ricky Fowler's going to do whatever the hell he wants, but the rest of them <laughs> are well, going to be... Is a real, this is, it's an interesting question. Like, Would there still be a guy that was like hell-bent on wearing pants because it's just the way that... like, If they were allowed to wear shorts, would anybody choose not to wear shorts? I mean, look, if the weather dictated, they all wear pants. Probably. But in the summer, they'd all wear shorts, right? I actually almost always wear pants when golfing, even in the summer. But is that because you lose a bunch of balls in the woods and you don't want to be cut up when it, you go it, and chase them all in the woods? Because it, it it's been a long it's time. Since, bugs. It's been a long time since I've been a golfer, like a very long time. But I definitely remember preferring to golf when it was like not so great weather mm -hmm. because I did not care for standing out in the baking sun and having uh, the sun put a knife to my skin. I'm like, I feel like I might be part Irish because of what the <laughs> sun does to me. Or I just got way too many concussions when I was a kid. Like, that's the, the scary part about it because the sun affects me in ways it feels like it does not affect other human beings. When everybody it's possible. else, I, when, I when my wife is like, I'll sit out on the beach for six hours, I'm like, oh, I, God, no. I would rather die. Oh, yeah. I would rather die than sit on the beach for Be six hours. Beaches are so hours. overrated, Glenn. Well, you, so and I, overrated. We, you and I have found something that we can completely Look, I mean, and 100% agree I, I, I can sit out there for two hours. I, and I don't like sitting on that the That will be it. I like getting in the water. Oh no, I'm not a water guy. Okay, now that's you know you know what's in that separate. water. Yes. Oh, trust me. So Dude, many things. Stop. You think that I'm gonna start caring about that now? <laughs> oh, come for God's sakes! You think the water that's coming into your house is that great? No, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not making dude, that assertion either. I'm, yeah, we, we just, just got to realize what we're dealing with at some point. Like, True. I, I can't suddenly start being that guy I mean, a girl's that's concerned. leg got bitten off the other day. That's I why under, I'm not going in the water. It, well, it's not ideal. I don't disagree with that, but it's very unlikely, so I'm willing to take it. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like saying, are you going to get in a car? There's accidents all the time. Well, Someone could sure. run into you. Like, come on, man. We're not going to do that bit off with everything. You're never going to fly because there's a chance. People don't pee in my car, though. So well, you don't at know that. that I, yeah, you <laughs> don't know. That I, that. At least that I think. How many drunk people have been in your car? Because I think there's a non-zero chance <laughs> that someone has peed in your vehicle at some point. Yeah. I, and trust me, I'm gonna pee in the ocean <laughs> all the time. My good God, to know. the first never time, go to the beach with my, Glenn. My, oh, dude, come on, <laughs> come on. We're all peeing in the ocean. Every single one of us. They just got to put bathrooms on the beach. Like that needs to be. It's never gonna happen. The infrastructure. Come on. It, plus, you're not gonna want to get out. You gotta run across the. This is goes back to the problem of the sun. That sand yeah. is about six billion degrees. You're not gonna <laughs> want to cross the sand to try to go to the bathroom when you can just go ahead and go to the bathroom. Now, look. If you're pooping in the in the ocean, you <laughs> should be shot. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you are defecating in the water at the the ocean. You, they, they should take you out back and Lassie you, all right? Like that, or old Yeller, old Yeller. I mean, you. there's about. I don't think they ever killed Lassie. Did they kill Lassie? I'm not uh, sure. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's a show. Okay, dog. All right. It's a whole thing. Old good Yeller was a movie with the dog. They definitely took old I've Yeller heard of that. back. Yeah. They should do that to you if you're pooping in the ocean. But if you're peeing in the ocean, you should just high five people as they go by because everybody else <laughs> is doing the exact same thing.
How did we get here? The Orioles <laughs> lost. That's how we got here. We'll talk more about it. Yeah, they did. Mike Devereaux is going to join us a little bit later as well, former Orioles outfielder. Mike's going to spend some time this summer working with Masson. Um, did not know that. Uh, Rockabotco did a story catching up with Mike recently and uh, pointed out that Mike's going to spend uh, a couple series this summer working in the Masson booth. So I love Mike. I think uh, people that have been with me for a long time know that growing up, Mike Devereaux was my singular favorite Oriole. To the point where my mother once purchased a blank kid's Orioles jersey and sewed the name Devereaux and number on the back so that I could go That's as commitment. Mike. I could go as Mike Devereaux for uh, Halloween one year. That's wow. how much I worship at the altar of Mike Devereaux. That story comes up regularly when Mike and I talk, um, and I still have not been able to. He always asks if I can track down a picture, and I've never been able to track down a picture of that because it was in, like, 1990 before we had cell phone cameras and things like that. So. <laughs> Uh, sure. well, 91, 90, whatever year it was. But Mike Devereaux is going to join us a little bit later on in the program as well. Today's show is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will help you improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. All right, so it's a very, like, everything about last night is frustrating. It's frustrating because it speaks to many of the bigger issues that we're worried about with the Orioles. Now, Kyle Gibson, you know, did did his best after a very shaky first inning. He worked another four innings after that, settled down, and you tip your cap to some extent. But still, Kyle Gibson's your innings guy, and for him to only go five innings and a batter yeah. is is disappointing. Like, in context. In context, it's disappointing. Because one of the problems we talked about so much is how overworked this bullpen has been. Yes. Insanely overworked. Yes. Kyle Gibson's supposed to be the guy that gives your bullpen a break. He's here, not in the Jordan Lyles role of, like, dude, go out and pitch eight innings even if you give up 12 runs. We don't give a rat's ass, like... <laughs> Just right. go get your brains beat in because that's what we need you to do. But he's here in order to soak up innings. Yes. That's disappointing that Kyle Gibson, even if they were solid innings, even if you had a very good chance of winning the game, it's still disappointing that Kyle Gibson would only go five because then, again, you have to go to your bullpen for four more innings. As it turns out, it was more like five because they went to ten innings last night. Yeah. So then it's every layer beyond that. Yannir Cano, who was a magician to begin the season, is just kind of human of late, which is fine because the totality of his season is still remarkable. Right. But the reality is he probably was never going to be completely unhittable the way that he showed us for the first month of his major no. league career. Last night, it's not like it was a disastrous inning from Yannir Cano. Runner on base, stolen base, base hit. That's it. And now the game's tied. You feel like it's a game you should have won. You feel like you should be at the point where you're in the eighth inning, you have a lead, you've got Cano and Batista, you should be able to win that game. So it's disappointing that it gets blown. It also speaks to what has been an issue of late, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but all of a sudden, the Orioles can't stop teams from running on them. And it, it creates this sort of dumbed down, well, I thought Adley Rutschman was supposed to be a great catcher who could throw it, but it's ain't an Adley Rutschman problem. None of these relievers can keep a runner on near the base. None of them. In fact, Bautista might be the worst I've ever seen at it. And well, his delivery is so, you know. It's it's right. drawn out. Right. Yeah. Um, all, and so teams are just 
teeing off. Like, all, as soon as they have a runner on base, they're just sort of saying, let's go. And that then nullifies the advantage that you think you have with Adley Rutschman right. because there's nothing that your pitchers are doing to prevent runners from moving over. So if you give up a walk or if you give up a base hit, you might as well assume that runner is going to be on second base if a team's trailing by a run or in a tie game where why wouldn't they go try to be aggressive to get that runner into scoring position. Yeah. Brewers went ahead and did it again. We're just fortunate that the Orioles didn't give up the go-ahead run in that inning. So that's fr- it adds to this list of very frustrating things. The other frustrating part is it goes back to this trend that we've seen of late, and that was the eighth time in the last 11 games where the Orioles scored three runs or fewer. And again, that doesn't mean that they couldn't have won the game last night, or you can even argue should have won the game last night, given the circumstances, having a lead in the eighth inning with Cano and Batista on the mound. But three runs or fewer in eight of the last 11 games. It, it's not an anomaly. It's, it's the trend. Oh, and by the way, all of those runs last night came from Ryan O'Hearn and Aaron Hicks. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like those guys don't have a role the rest of the season, because who knows at this point. But it speaks to the problems you're having with the guys that are supposed to be the central figures of this. Obviously, Cedric Mullins is not here, so you can't judge against that. But the Santanders, the Mountcastles, the Mateos of the world, it ain't working offensively at the moment. So it's unfair to Santander. Santander had a really good May. Mountcastle and Mateo are the two that stand out the most, obviously. It's, I, I don't want to be a – I know Santander had a rough night, but or Santander will be plenty productive. There's no reason for me to be down on Santander. I feel like I'm going to war on a guy that doesn't deserve it. Santander is a part of the solution at the moment, not really a part of the problem. Mountcastle and Mateo are obviously the exact opposite. So when you have Jorge Mateo due to lead off in the 10th inning with a runner on second base, I, I get saying, well, we think we can trust him to get a bunt down. But I don't know that I can trust Jorge Mateo to do much of anything at the moment. Because he hasn't done really anything for a, anything a month at all. and a half. And it's an awkward yeah. spot to be in because you're not going to pinch hit for them, him once there's already two strikes. So the question almost becomes, do you have to pinch hit for him before the at-bat to say, hey, if we struggle to get a bunt down, we need somebody up there with two... It's a tough spot to be in. Jorge Mateo creates the problem. I'm not blaming Brandon Hyde for not pinch hitting for Jorge Mateo to lead off. Because I get it. All he's thinking is, I don't need him to get a hit. I just need him to get a stupid bunt down. Right. And that didn't happen either. Well, look, I... I think Mateo, his struggles have been well documented. But I, Ryan Mountcastle does not. There, there has to come a point where the Orioles have to say, "Look, Ryan Mountcastle is giving us absolutely nothing right now. The 11 home runs, the RBIs, whatever. His on base percentage is 268. And this is a guy who consistently bats three, four, it's five, funny six. Say the 11 home runs, whatever. I, I well, mean, I mean, but do that. Pay, that means we're talking about a guy who's on pace to have a 30 home run season. Renato be, Nunez did the same thing. And I, got I hear you. Year. I hear you. I hear you. And I look. I am in a weird place with Mountcastle where I feel everything that you're feeling, which is that it just it just can't be this. Like you, I 30 home runs matters. It matters. It does. As long as you get there, that's the first part of it. Sure. Like you have to get the 30. And he home should. Runs. 
and you would think that he's going to get the 30 home runs, but it is a weird thing. There's a big difference to me between being a guy who's on pace to get the 30 home runs yeah. and a guy who ends up hitting 26 home runs when you're carrying all of this other baggage, yes. right? Like, you can be a 26 home run hitter if you're a more productive hitter and you're taking walks and you're getting on base. Even if you strike out a lot, but you take a lot of walks, you get on base, you, you can serve a role in that department. When you're not doing those things... You better damn well be more like a thirty-three to thirty-five home run hitter, not a twenty-six home run hitter. There's like, a like Joey Gallo difference. was for the most part, and Gallo correct. got on base a hell of a lot more than Way Ryan Malcastle yes, has. Correct. I mean, he Joey and Gallo. That's what I'm was, you can be. It's the weird dichotomy where you can be a big strikeout guy right. that also gets on base. Right. If like, I, look, if Ryan Malcastle was Joey Gallo mm-hmm. from three years ago, where he'd bat one ninety-five, but his on-base percentage would be I don't know, it was like three forty for mm-hmm. Joey Gallo a lot of years, and he'd hit forty-five home runs. That's a great thing. That's a middle-of-the-order bat that 100%. you can count on. But Ryan Malcastle right now, if he's going to end up the year at 230 and 270, like he is now with his batting average and on-base respectively, that's not cutting it in any lineup. That's not a starting baseball player. I don't care how many home it's runs he hits. That's not, not a starting baseball player. someone that you're player. promising. I, I talk about this all the time with Ryan Malcastle. If, if you're a player that, that does that, but you're also a quality defensive third baseman, like, okay, we can talk if you don't have another option. First base to me is eternally the spot where somebody's gonna else is gonna have to play first base because that's the place you need to put a bat. Yeah, that's where your bat's gotta come from. Um, you know, you hope that Heston Kerstad is going to be a legitimate middle of the order bat who's yeah. also an outfielder. You hope that's going to be the case. But at some point, you're gonna need a bat, and in order to find a bat, first base is the only position they're gonna be available to play. Yeah. Connor Norby might end up being a first baseman at some point in the future. He's Very actually well. playing Could more be. outfield, um, but he might need to be a first baseman at some point if his bat's going to play in the major leagues. I, it's, I don't want to attack Ryan Mountcastle because it's not like he doesn't do anything, but again, in quantifying this and figuring out what someone is going to be as part of trying to put together a championship-caliber roster, I've said time and time again, I don't think both Santander and Mountcastle are the middle of an order for a championship-caliber team. And it's extraordinarily frustrating yeah. that you continue to see these warts with Ryan Mountcastle and you start to kind of convince yourself there isn't a next step. Like, this is kind of what he is as a baseball player. And that's not nothing. It's, it's so, if you had a complete order otherwise, you probably wouldn't be all that worked up about it. And he has played a very solid first base. He's grown into be yeah, a very good first baseman. Um but when you need real production from somewhere, and right now he's the option, it's extraordinarily disappointing for it to continue to be an issue. Yes. This team, three runs or fewer in eight of their last 11 games. I, I don't want to be overdramatic about it. I don't want to make it seem like it's doom and gloom. But it, it's real. It's a problem that they've got to go about solving, and it's why... We keep saying to ourselves, well, wouldn't the first thing, the button that you want to fire be seeing if you can't get some of these guys up that have been crushing the ball at AAA and see if they can help before we get to the deadline, right? Like, why wait till closer to the deadline and have not fired those bullets? Because it might very well be that as much as we talked about pitching, you really need a bat, too, at the deadline. Like, you really need one more middle-of-the-order type of big production bat if you're going to make some sort of push. so why And, and badly. And badly. <clears throat> and why wouldn't you fire these 
bullets first? Why wouldn't you first say, let's see what kind of lift Jordan Westberg could give? In a realistic world, that's unfair to Jordan Westberg, right? In a realistic world, it's much like I said about Gunnar Henderson a year ago. Almost always, it takes guys a little bit of time sure. to adjust to the major leagues. He's not going to do the heavy lifting off the bat. There's just it's not. But at happen. least firing the bullet, seeing what you got, right? Sort of reassessing from there what this all looks like. Where are you finding a spot for this person? All of those things seem to be something that would make sense for the Orioles to yeah. want to do. Absolutely, but. We continue to play the waiting game. They decided they were going to keep Josh Lester on the roster. I was laughing about this yesterday. I said, how funny is it going to be when the Orioles do make a roster move today and it's keeping Josh Lester around, not bumping up one of these other dudes? And, of course, that ends up being the answer yeah. as they send Taron. And I don't care about sending Taron Vavra down. That doesn't impact me in any way. But it's just why is it for Josh Lester what what are you getting out of Josh Lester? Why are we so hell bent on it yeah. not being somebody else? I think you know you can go out there as an Orioles front office person. And you can say, okay, this is X, Y, and Z reason as to why this prospect's not going to be up. But I don't think there is a legitimate reason that Jordan Westberg is not in Baltimore yet. I, I, it's I not age. I can't fathom it. It's not defensive value. No. It's certainly not the bat. Well, I mean, they could say, well, we don't know exactly where he would play, right? Like, this is... this is. I, I can tell you. <laughs> well, you would say shortstop, yeah. right? Like, this <laughs> Absolutely. Is, but that's the problematic part. And the more, and we'll bring it up with Devereaux later, too. Every time I talk to anybody within the game, they continue to say the same thing. I would not risk taking a step backwards defensively at shortstop right now. And so I have gotten the sense that if they ever do pull the trigger on Mateo, it's for Joey Ortiz. It's not for Jordan It very Westbrook. well could be. It's that they're saying, we are going to prioritize a strong defensive shortstop, so if it ain't Mateo, it has to be Ortiz. Yeah. Because these other guys might be able to play shortstop, but they're not going to be high-level defenders at shortstop. And with what you have going with your pitching right now, with as flimsy as it is with the starting pitching that you've got, it's kind of working. You don't want to mess that up by doing something stupid like, you know, stay, taking a step back defensively at shortstop. I'm with you, but I think if you consider the fact that Westberg has played almost everywhere I hear in his you. minor league career, I hear you. it should not be a problem. You should be able to find a spot. But, but again, who are you taking off the field right now? I mean, I, I would be perfectly comfortable taking Ryan Malcastle off the field right now. He's an eight percent worse than Major League hitter according to OPS plus. I hear you. The, o, the again, he's but getting it, on base it, less than two seventy. I I that's unheard of for a starting Major League Baseball player at this point. In a perfect world, I think you're on to something. I think again, the problem comes now. You have like what one real home run threat in your lineup the moment that you do. Like you're, you're counting Sansandere, obviously. Is yes, that guy? That's the guy. I mean, I mean I, I'm not saying Rutschman isn't a threat, but like it's not his primary capability. That's no. what I'm saying. You got one real legitimate power hitter now in your lineup yeah. the moment I mean, that that's, you do that's, that. That's, that's undoubtedly a problem. That's I mean, a, but Jordan Westberg led the minors for I, the Orioles. I know in home he's runs got last 15 year. home runs, I yeah. understand, but that's a triple A. Like until he does it, I think it's a difficult thing to assume that he's going to be a major league. Remember, this kind of came out of nowhere with Jordan. Nobody was talking about Jordan Westberg initially as being the power guy. No. That kind of came no. as he now it doesn't mean it won't continue. He might very well be a legitimate power hitter as a major league player, but assuming it, I don't think it's something that I can do. I'm not telling you no. I'm just saying I, I do get why it's they almost have to do something dramatic at this point. 
There's no easy way to make the move. No. To the point with Ryan Mountcastle, that's a dramatic move. It is a dramatic thing to take somebody who has been an everyday young player that was coming along to suddenly say they're no longer going to be an everyday player. That's a dramatic move to make. Doesn't mean it's wrong, just means it's dramatic. Anything you do at this point is somewhat dramatic here. Like, it's you, you can't do anything that doesn't have... I, I guess Arias would not be all that dramatic, but again, no. you, you know, you're taking a step back defensively, and that's part of the issue. I, I think the Orioles have to be cognizant moving forward about the level of the sinking ship. You know, how deep are you sinking at the moment? I, right now, I don't think they're sinking that deep. I think they're still going to win some games. They just come off a series winning against the Giants. Things are okay, mm-hmm. but in two weeks, the ship could be you know getting much farther sunk than it is now, and I think that's when you start to realize, okay. You know, maybe we do need to start making some dramatic, making some dramatic moves, such as Ryan Malcastle, such as Ramon Arias, such as Jorge Mateo. I think at some point you're going to have to start making dramatic moves for things to actually change. I, I hear you. I hear you, and that might be. I, we might be approaching that day, and I, I yeah. think you might be right to assume that it almost has to be that we're approaching that day. It's just still easier to say that than it is to do that, right? Like you can't, you you can't walk it back once it's been done. Once you've once you've legitimately benched Ryan Mountcastle, like you're benching Ryan Mountcastle, that's a big deal. Yeah, like that's a you can't walk that back. Or you know, again, they might be looking to try to trade one of these guys and trying to figure out exactly what that very looks well could like. Be. Um, all right, we got to we're gonna have to switch gears here in a second. We will talk more Orioles as the morning goes on. We'll also get the Would You Rather Wednesday here as the morning goes on. Brought to you by Birdland Sports. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, The Orioles did make the decision yesterday. They are going to use the off day to reset the rotation. They're not going to use a fifth starter today. So they're going to go ahead and make it be Dean Kramer, which is normal rest. We just didn't know. They hadn't decided, apparently, whether they were going to go with a full five-man rotation this week or just use Monday to, to reset things. That's what they did. So Dean Kramer starts tonight against Corbin Burns, and then it'll be Saturday when they will need the fifth starter. So I guess we'll monitor... Would today be when uh, Cole Irvin would be scheduled to pitch in Norfolk? So we would have to monitor that to see if they go ahead and throw Cole Irvin or not to see if he would be in the mix to start on Saturday for the Orioles against Kansas City when they'll need a starter again. Yeah. By the way, Glenn, I have, uh, we have Walt at 11 now. Walt Williams is going to join us to talk some NBA Finals. Great. We'll look forward to that as well. Right now, we are going to uh, mix things up, get into this. I, I am so befuddled by this thing with the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Our friend Rex Hoggard, who I know would rather be talking to us about the Orioles. Instead, we're going to try to make some sense of this whole thing. Rex is from the Golf Channel. He's with us now here on GCR. Rex, it's Glenn. It's good to catch up, man. I imagine you've been doing about 100 of these things today. Thank you for squeezing us in. Uh, of course. I, I, I was told we were going to talk about the Orioles, though, so I feel <laughs> a little betrayed, but let's go on. <laughs> Um, dude, how do you, how do you begin to explain this? Like, how did we get here over the course of the last couple of months? I need 24 hours and I still haven't come up with a good way to explain this. Um, the way commissioner Jay Monahan explained it to a group of reporters last night is it was just time. And it was the way he said it is the two entities. And he's talking about PGA tour 
and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia as it applies to golf, better together is what he said. Now, that's the simplified way of doing this. If you look at it a little bit more detail, this is, I would argue, twofold. One, there's an ongoing lawsuit, antitrust lawsuit between LiveGolf and the PGA Tour, and it was not going to be finished up anytime soon, and it was going to cost a lot of money and a lot of resources, and it was probably things that the tour didn't want to dig into in this lawsuit. And so this agreement makes that lawsuit go away. That's the first big piece of this. I think the other big piece is right now, I would argue that the PGA Tour is a better product than they've got. But if the commissioner is looking himself in the mirror and looks down the road 10 years, is that going to be the case with Live Golf essentially with unlimited resources? Like it's clear that the public investment fund was going to continue to support this with a lot of money. And is this a fight that they could survive over the next 10 years? And I think he came to the conclusion that no, probably not. And he can negotiate right now from a position of strength. And this is where we are. How have the players responded to this? I mean, I, I feel like that's the biggest thing that people have brought up. Like, how in the world does Jay Monahan look Rory McIlroy in the eye today? Uh, well, I was going to say, well, like, be very specific about what players you're yeah, talking right. about. Because I, the I players, talked to two live players, and they responded very Sure. Happy. Oh, it's oh, I bet it's a great day for them. No doubt. Yeah. They got all this money, and they get to go right back, and they get to strut around. I, it's a great day. I mean, the guys that could have taken the big money, that didn't, that held the line, that stood up, how in the world could, does this guy continue in his role of representing that group of players? I've covered a lot of player meetings, and most of them are flat because most of them players don't attend. They don't want to be there. They want to play golf. They don't want to sit in meetings. Sure. And so last night was different. It lasted an hour and a half. It was at the Canadian Open, and the commissioner met with the players who were there. And it, there was, I got a lot of reports, talked to a lot of players who were in there. But the one thing that stood out is at some point I was told that someone said that maybe Jay's going to have to step down and that the room stood up and clapped. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that probably says everything you need to say. Like, I don't know going forward – how these two entities come together and, and what it would look like. But it's difficult to imagine after spending essentially the last two years saying that the PGA tour is on the right side. And if you want to play for legacy and you, if you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror, you have to stay here. And now to end up where we are, it's going to be difficult for Jay to, to stay where he is, to be quite frank. And I hate doing the sports radio thing of saying, no, the coach needs to be fired. Right. Like, I, I hate that. But this one sort of stands out. Um, the players certainly on the PGA Tour side, and I would say all the way down to a player like a Rory or a Justin or, or a John Rahm, uh, there's going to be animosity. There's going to be anger. There's going to be confusion. I think we can keep using words because you're right. Those guys passed up a lot of money to do what they were told was right, and now all of a sudden they need to look at the landscape and say, well, wait a minute. They're going to be welcome back with all of the money mm-hmm. that I passed up, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to find a way to make that right. I, I I mean, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think there's still – Rex Hoggard is with us from the Golf Channel. Rex, I still think there's a part of it where, like, there's got – I think that it was genuine from some of these guys. I think it might be genuine from some golf fans where it's not just, hey, we're PGA Tour loyalists, so we're making this up. I think there's a general uncomfortability about the idea of working with the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. And so I, if the answer is we're going to make up the money from you, but this is where it's coming from – I still think that's going to be a difficult path to cross. I think that there will be golf fans that are going to be troubled by the idea of the control that the Saudi Arabia Fund is going to have within the future of whatever the PGA Tour is. 
Oh, I think that's completely fair. You'll get it from players. You'll certainly get it from fans. If, if my Twitter account has any indication going forward yeah. about what we can expect on this front, and it's going to be something the court, the tour is going to struggle with. And and honestly, I struggled the last twenty four hours because I've been asked a lot of times uh, about these topics and about like, R- how Rex. Remind me, you 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 have a military history, correct? Uh, I do. I was in the Marines. Yeah. That's what I thought. And I, it's, it's, I, I, I have no idea. You and I have never had this. I know you're a reporter. It's not really your job. That, but, like, is do, do you struggle with that at all? Uh, no. And okay. this came up early in the process. Years ago, probably two years ago, and, and I have some folks who work for the Goss Channel who have very, very strong feelings about this. And, and I respect them. A monsoon of respect. But at, at a meeting a year or two ago, Someone asked me why I don't have a strong opinion about this. And, and I kind of just pointed out two very, very simple things. Is One, when I was in the Marines, I never fought Saudi Arabia. So you don't use that as a crutch. Like, sure. I understand what you're getting at, but sure. that, that didn't happen. And two, I'm a reporter. Right. So it's not up to me to have an opinion. I'm just right. here just to try to, to put out the facts. That being said, the last 24 hours, I've had to answer some really, really uncomfortable questions myself about how does, you ask me, how does Jay Monahan look himself in the mirror? How does he look, the 9-11 families in the mirror? Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not playing on heartstrings here. I know, we know, because of the court filings, that the PGA Tour hired a very high-profile PR firm in D.C. to handle this, to spin this, to move this forward. They, this is something that they created. They paid to have the 9-11 families fly out to Portland last year to protest the Live Golf event. Now you're suddenly in bed with them. It's a very, very difficult conversation. It's extraordinary. Like, I mean, I, I get that we live in a time in society where nothing matters. Like, it, it, I, 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 I'm difficult to deal with this. We're like, words are irrelevant. Nothing matters. We've gaslit everything. But at some point, like, my God, how do you cross back over this? I, I just, I am really struggling with it. And I feel for people because I do think it's been genuine. I, I, I don't, I am not convinced that this was just a, uh, we want to use uh, the 9/11 families as a tool because we don't like there being competition. Maybe the maybe uh, certainly now it looks like that's the case in the PGA Tour. But I do believe that there have been very genuine people that care about the sport of golf that have said I can't support this because that is too it's too real to me. And now to ask those people to say, "Eh, forget it, show up, watch the playoffs this year." Like I Ah, I, I know people love golf, and I, I, like, I've thought about it. I'm, I'm a massive tennis fan, Rex. Like, how it would work for me in this situation, man, I don't know. I don't know because that is a very, very difficult line to have to cross. No, and I think that's fair. And, look, two of the loudest people, at least in the media and the golf media, have, have worked for my company, and it's been Randall Chambly and Eamon Lynch. And I respect both of them. And, and look, I, I caught a lot of heat from, from yeah. people – sources that I have to deal with because of Brandel's stance on this. Right. And my argument has always been, we pay him a lot of money to have an opinion. And he has a very strong opinion about this. And, and I will give Brandel credit. He went on Golf Channel yesterday and he held the line. I mean, he didn't try to explain away what has happened. I mean, he still has these very strong opinions. It's, it's a good question though. Like it's going to be a different tour for him going forward. And it's going to be tough for him to decide exactly how he processes that. Rex, as far as what this might look like moving forward, I know we probably still don't know much about that, but it was interesting to me in the release yesterday, them talking about maybe trying to work the the team concept in. I I was talking to our friend Drew Forrester yesterday, and I, I have not sensed that anybody in golf gives a rat's ass about the team format, other than... You know, them trying to make the teams valuable to try to sell them, which never really seemed to be the case. Is there any value at all in them 
trying to encompass anything about the Live Golf experiment into the future of the PGA Tour, or should it just be, hey, this was a thing that existed for a little while, like maybe we let guys wear shorts or something like that, but is there anything about Live that is worthwhile for keeping moving forward with the PGA Tour? Before you brought me on, I heard you guys talking about, I think, bringing up a pitcher maybe from AAA yeah. for the next road trip or whatever the case may be. And, man, I, I perked up. I got so excited when I heard this. <laughs> and, and, look, as a fan, not just of the Orioles, but a sports fan, we all love the transaction. And I would argue that the NBA offseason is better than the NBA regular season because yeah. we're talking about who's going where. Yep. This brought that element to golf. It has not solidified. It's not crystallized. But I will throw this out there. And this report that I'm going to reference is not true. There's no reason to think it's true. I'm just throwing it out there. That there was a report yesterday in a newspaper in the UK that Brooks Kepka's team is going to be sponsored now because of this new agreement, this whatever it's going to turn out to be, by Nike Golf. Makes sense. He's a Nike Golf guy. They're going to pay however much for, for this franchise. Let's call it a franchise. And the idea is they'll get Rory on that team. And so now what is the evaluation of that franchise? I'm not saying that's going to work, but I will say that I understand that. As a sports fan, I'll perk up like, oh, you're going to somehow sign Rory. Like that's interesting to me. Will it ever be popular with the fans? Will the concept ever work, you know, as a mainstream sport? I don't know about that because we're a long way from that, but I can certainly see from a business model where they're coming from. Can, okay. Could, could you really do it like the, at the memorial? Could you really have, I feel like that's been the most difficult part. Drew brought up to me like, Hey, everybody loves the Ryder cup. We, we, we like team events when they're team events. It's that trying to run a team event at the same time as an individual event, we're always going to care about the individual event, right? Like, that's the nature of golf. Could they do both things somehow? Could they both have the regular tournaments just be the tournaments and then take eight events during the course of the year and make those, like, team-only events in order to try to make the team concept work somehow? I think that's exactly – and, again, this is – what, what was announced yesterday is a very, very broad agreement that hasn't even been approved, by the right, way. Like, there right, are still right. a lot of things they need to come in. And the actual nuts and bolts of how it's going to work, I mean, that's going to have to be decided by the policy board. And now, all of a sudden, you brought players into it. So it's, we're a long way from that. But I would argue what you just explained is probably what they think, which is on, which is on the drawing board. And I would kind of point to – I don't pretend to understand soccer or football in the U.K., but I know that your guy plays for a team – and then every once in a while, he stops playing for his team and he goes and plays for his country, and then he comes back and plays for his team. Right. And I would imagine a scenario where you have last week's memorial, and then this week, instead of having a PGA Tour event, you have a live event, and you have all these teams going head-to-head. And then you would sprinkle those in, I don't know, let's do one, one a month, we can figure out the timing or whatever the case may be. Those sprinkled in amongst the major championships, the big events on the PGA Tour, I can see how that would work. Okay, just a, it's something a little bit different in that circumstance. You know what it is, and and you go watch, and you're going to different places, and I, you know, maybe I I don't know. It's a tough one for me to, to really believe that that like team golf is ever going to truly take off. But I I get it, and if the best players are involved with it, then then maybe I'm the idiot, and maybe ultimately they're going to laugh all the way to the bank, which is clearly what they're doing anyway at this point. It's laughing all the way to the bank. Um, is there anything else from the live experiment that you feel like, like, like I, just the 54 whole thing? I think everybody mocked, right? There's nothing else that like the shotgun starts. I don't think anybody's asking for, right? There's nothing else that I think that the PGA tour would want to incorporate, right? It's... I wouldn't think so, but you would want to distinguish whatever it is. This version is going to be. So yeah. whether 54 holes, 72 holes, it, it doesn't matter. Cause now all of a sudden we're always going to have the major championships in golf. And I would equate it. If you're tennis, you would agree. It's the exact same formula there. Right. Like you have, 
essentially tournaments every week, but the ones that matter are, are you know, Roland Garros, yep. Wimbledon, whatever the case may be. Yep. It's always going to be that way in sports. What you're trying to do is create an interest in sort of that shoulder programming. And if you can find a way to do it, and again, I'm not even convinced that this will resonate with, with certainly golf fans, but I can imagine a world where you have one team that does include a Rory, who is, you know, the good guy. He wears the nice hat. And then you have another team with a player that maybe isn't a good guy. And I'm going to use Phil, which is unfair because I think he's getting beat up in all this. But, you know, Phil has been outspoken. And now, instead, not only do you bring sort of the transactional element to it, but you also bring something that really doesn't exist in golf, and that's animosity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not making an argument, but I can see where, from the public investments fund standpoint, maybe even from the PGA Tour standpoint, they realize that, oh, maybe this could work. Man, uh, we, what a time. What a time. Real quick before I let you go, Rex, you just brought something up. There's no chance that there's some public outcry to this and this fall. Like at this point, they are far enough along in the process. There's no going back, correct? Like this, this can't still end up blowing up, could it? Have you ever seen the, the, I think you mentioned the Super League. Did you see the document, docu-series? I think it was three, I, three uh, episodes. I think it's on Apple TV. I'm yeah, gonna get that I wrong didn't, I didn't watch really it, but good. I know what you're talking about. And so essentially, they, they, they kind of tried to do the same thing in, in soccer football in the UK. And I would argue that where they were when that, that process unraveled, it's a fascinating docu, docu-series. I would recommend anyone watch it. But where they were in that process is kind of where we are right now. I don't see it happening, but... I mean, the commission was really clear that this is just sort of an understanding of an agreement. And there's still a lot of, there's, a, there's some runway. There's some boxes that need to be checked that aren't checked right now. All right. All right. At Rex Hogger GC on Twitter is how you follow him. Rex, what else can I plug for you? Podcast, anything like that? Uh, yeah. The, the Golf Channel podcast with uh, Rex and Laugh came out last night. We, we address all this and much, much more. Check it out. I'd rather. Always appreciate you, man. Hopefully we'll see you at uh, Camden Yards at some point in the future. I really enjoyed the conversation as always, man. Appreciate you having me on. It's Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel with us here and uh, GCR. God, there's so much there. There's so much. Like, and again, I, it, I mean, it, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack, and like, it's fortunate for me because I get the the benefit of like, I just don't care, right? Like, the, none no. of this. If they attempt to force feed this team golf thing yeah. that I, I don't believe anyone actually wants, yeah. I'm not going to care. Like, I don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way I've been viewing it for the past 24 hours since I found out about this you is care. that... You care. That's the interesting part. Well, like, I, you I, ca- I do, I do a, care. About the sport, you care. I'm a golf right. fan, but right. I can't say that I'm going to get upset about it because at the end of the day, it is what it is, and I know I have no control over it. So there's that. That's certainly a part of it. There is... This is always... Um, my friend Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN, um, when this... I don't, he was very much a... Like a, I'm I am vehemently opposed to the mm-hmm. ex, the concept of live, and I I don't know. We I asked Kevin if he wanted to talk about it. Today. Well, I'm opposed to it too. I, and that's the that's the weird part to me it is the part where like, can you just stomach it? Because undoubtedly, the this, the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund is going to have a good amount of power in the future of the PGA Tour. They are making a financial commitment that gets them. Yeah. An amount of power. And normally the way these things work is we get an amount of power at first, and then it's even more money, and we get even more power. Right. So I don't know that that's going to be the case here, but just knowing the way that we know business, oftentimes when these agreements come, it's the, well, hey, look, they're buying in, but they're not taking over. They're just buying in. We're still still in control which you position at first in order to avoid everyone losing their minds. Yeah. 
and then you allow it to get a couple years in, and, well, hey, look, nothing's nothing's really changed all that much. This is still mostly the same thing that I enjoy, so that yeah. in, in the coming years afterwards, the entity that you didn't like can take the rest of the power, yeah. and you're no longer fighting about it, because when they've had a little bit of power, it hasn't seemed all that drastic. Right, so, so Monaghan stays on as CEO here. But we'll, then, we'll see. I did think that was interesting what Rex brought up. That so, like, right, but, but I was doing a little more reading on Wikipedia yeah. while Rex was talking and trying to get more background on this because I, I just don't understand the full scope of it yet. But you have, uh, and I, I'm going to butcher this name, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but Yasir yes, Al-Ramayan. Yes, he, he is the governor of the public, of the public investment. investment. And he is going to serve as the chairman. So mm-hmm. I think there is more even that you're stating in power that the Saudi government is going to have mm-hmm. in what the PGA Tour does in the future. And I think that's potentially concerning. I mean, I, I, I think I, it has to be. I, con- I, I, I think just, it'd be I'm nuts concerned. if you weren't concerned about I, that. I think that American sports have not really gone through something like this before. So it's really uncharted territory for everyone, including the United States government, who I'm sure is probably... I, I don't know what they felt they think on this or how they feel about it, but it's I, uncharted I'm, territory for everyone. I don't know. I'm going to guess that a few different people have different opinions. I, I, like you'd probably be right. It's weird how that's I, we've become to America. We can't agree about anything. In, but in when America. has a foreign entity such as this one, and I guess they are considered a U.S. ally, but when has a foreign entity such as this one had well, such that is the di- influence? I think, I think what you just said is the difficult part, right? Like, yes, typically it's not you know foreign governments. Mm-hmm. It's you know. Someone who represents money that's from a foreign country. Yeah, exactly. It's not a foreign right. government right. that is taking on power. But what you just said is the awkward, the most awkward part about part about all of it. Is this it? You were like, I guess this is a U.S. ally. Well, yes, technically, yeah, it is. Like that's yeah. the awkward part. Like we do consider Saudi Arabia an ally, but it's a really complicated history, right? And to the point, I can't speak to how uncomfortable someone in America would have been in the 1960s about the German government exactly being involved in something that they love. Or the Russian government or whatever it is. Right. Sure. I, don't, yeah. I don't know yeah. what that feeling would have been like. I don't, I, I can't speak to it. Right. And, you know, somebody might, might say, well, this is, you know, jingoistic. Whatever you want to say it is, I, I can understand there being a level of discomfort even if you don't want yeah. to make it about 9-11, I think that we're not comfortable about how reliant we are on Saudi oil. I think that we are very uncomfortable as a country yeah. that every time we go to the gas pump, we feel like we're having a knife taken to our throat. <laughs> You're right. By the way, I, 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 I think that we are uncomfortable with the fact that our government has been in feels like has been in bed with the Saudis yeah. to not help us, right. to protect the value of their oil. Remember, even those of you that love Donald Trump, when the when when this hit and the gas prices started going crashing when the pandemic came down, what did he do? He worked to make sure they lowered the amount of production to get gas prices back up. Mm-hmm. And everybody will tell me, well, you don't understand how economics work and why it's imperative that oil be a certain price. Like, I, I, my God, I, you're right. I'm a big dummy. I'm a stupid idiot, and I am the first <laughs> to admit that. And yes, all I'm really concerned about the fact is my 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 compensation isn't going up uh, while the gas prices are going up. 
And yeah, that's a problem for me. I don't care who the president is. So yes, I feel some way about the power that certain people have that feels like it's keeping the gas prices up and making it more difficult for people to explore, you know, electric cars, things like that, because we want they want us to be dependent upon oil. So you want me to call me whatever you want to call me. Fine. I'm not telling you that anybody's evil inherently because of it, because this is capitalism, baby. This is the way that it works. Yeah. But if you want me to tell you I'm not uncomfortable, I'd be a liar. I'm uncomfortable with the Nate. Why is it that Saudi Arabia has all of this money? Not only that, so I, I think there's a more uncomfortable element to this. And yes, 9/11 should be well, more uncomfortable. Well, that, by the way. I, I, I shouldn't be comparing. I'm, the two b- I'm about to. I'm, so, I'm, I'm so about sorry. to diverge from that for yes. a second. Bryson DeChambeau went on CNN this morning, and he was asked, uh, "What do you think about what do you think about the Saudi Arabians having all these you know human rights abuses and and the fact that they've murdered a lot of people no, who didn't deserve to be murdered yeah. and all that?" And his response yeah, was basically, "I'm going to paraphrase." Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Oh, well, they've done that. I mean, that's all they've done at every press conference for two years. Or it's some level of, well, you think the U.S. is so great? Like, we, the, the, the amount of wagging the dog they have sure. done about this is ungodly. And but yes, but it's, your, it's even worse now, I think. Right. It's it, even worse now. Well, yeah, because now it's everybody, right? right. Like, now, now you're going to expect everyone, because all of their checks come from money that starts in Saudi Arabia, yeah. everyone is going to be involved in the gaslighting moving forward. Every single person is going to say, well, I don't know, working with them has been kind of great. Like... Maybe they've turned a new lead. like that's the, and I, again I don't know I I don't know I know we're not that far removed from the murder of Jamal Khashoggi I know that much we are only a couple years removed from a journalist being yep. disemboweled by the Saudi Arabian government now that's what we know about right because it was an American journalist we know about that story. So you want me to tell you that I think this is all cool or I would just be okay? I don't think I could just be okay. And again, I get it. I'm an idiot. I, I, I know that. I know I don't know more than I know. That's how much of an idiot I am. That sentence doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I'm an idiot. And all of this whataboutism that you're going to do, well, you know, the United States is so great. Shut the F up. This does not happen like this. There was a time in which this wouldn't happen. Oh, that's definitely true. Ever. That you yeah. there couldn't be this this the excuse of, well, they're all it's gonna cost so much money to litigate and in court and they've got more money, so we just have to tap it. There would be a there was a time in not so distant history where that wouldn't have mattered. And we would have fought that fight because we can't just go down to this. Right. And again, I'm speaking like someone who cares. I don't even care, and I feel uncomfortable about it. I won't watch any PGA Tour event. I barely watch the majors. Right. Right. But it's still, at the end of the it day, it doesn't feel right. And it it's feels, not right. Yeah. And it feels like if that's what we're doing now, we're going to have to have this conversation again about a different topic. There's going to come a time where they're going to say, well, we took care of uh, golf. Now what's next? What, what, do we, what do we want next? We're not running out of money, so maybe we want the MLS next. Right. Because nobody really cares about this Saudi league that we're – who, who, who was it that they signed the other day for like $600 million? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, God, it was a French player. But I do know that Messi is now part of the – I do Inter Milan. Right? MLS. Uh, like, yeah, it, Inter it Miami. Makes wonder, it makes you wonder what's next. So it's easy, again, for me, I can say, I don't care about golf. I'm not going to worry about it. But what I'm really reflecting is, 
is this what we're going to do moving forward? Well, right. I mean, I, I think... Is this just the way it's going to be? And golf is one thing. Let's say the Saudi Arabian government said, hey, let's let's buy into the NFL. Correct. And the NFL was like, sure, well, because they, you guys have... a lot of money. And, you guys have hundreds of billions and, right, and, we're, we, and trillions, and we're, and we're fine with that. Then I think you would really start to see American outcry. I, I, maybe? I would hope so. I, I You say that, but I don't know. I mean, I it, don't... It, at the end of the day, the PGA Tour is a big thing. It's a big deal. I but understand. the NFL I, is I, the I, biggest deal. I completely get that. And, and I don't think they would ever be able to buy the league. I don't no, think that I'm, would what be I'm saying, option. Yeah. Saying, saying at least partner, buy in right. somehow, I don't know. get in on the NFL. It's not impossible. Hell of, a, hell of a time. Hell of a time we're talking about. Hell of a time. This is a fun sports topic. What a super fun sportsy conversation to be having. That actually makes me whimsical for talking about the Orioles blowing a lead last night. <laughs> Because it's way more pleasant than trying to figure out if we should be okay with foreign governments taking control of professional sports. Yay! Yay! This is exactly what I want to be doing. Our number one of today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. PressBox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books here in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and sign up today. We will, I promise, talk about some sports sports here in hour number two. Uh, Walt Williams, former uh, Terp star and, of course, a longtime NBA player, uh, we'll check in with Walt, get his thoughts as we get ready for Game 3 tonight. Suddenly a very pivotal Game 3 in the NBA Finals between the Nuggets and the Heat this evening. He joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, oh, super fans. Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans, 15 and over at the game, to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com slash tickets. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Here on GCR as we continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Got a ton of responses so far. Continue to get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Zach and I later on this hour will go through our answers for Would You Rather Wednesday, and somebody is going to win a shirt of their choice from Birdland Sports. Speaking of winning, one we, we, <clears throat> it's been one week that you got left. All right, I tried. I forced, I forced that one a little bit, but I'll work on it before tomorrow. One week warning. One week since. This is it. Last week. PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Go there right now. Sign up to win four tickets to all of the area minor league baseball teams, plus an easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms. Got to be 18 or older in order to sign up. Get to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now in order to do it. One week left. Next Wednesday, we cut it all off. One final week for you to get signed up to win pressboxonline.com slash contests. Let's uh, switch things up. Let's talk a little NBA Finals right now. Our next guest, of course, a Maryland legend, as well as a longtime NBA standout. See him on NBC Sports Washington. He is our friend, the Wizard. He is Walt Williams, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Walt, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up with you, brother. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Of course, man. How you doing, man? I'm all right, Walt. It's great to catch up with you, dude. I, I Before we get to the finals in Game 3 tonight, just if I could get your finishing touches on, like, the season that was at Maryland and the amount of, like, real belief that fans can have about this program, about the job that Kevin Willard has done with, with like, the little resources that he had to work with and yet did this much – like, how comfortable are you with buying in that this is a program that is headed back towards competing at the highest level in the next two to three years? Well, I think when you look at the uh, the way they competed, especially on the on the defensive end, uh, you definitely get very excited. Um, you know, uh, coach has a lot of energy. Uh, in practices and, and on that bench over there, and you see his team reflecting that. And so that's always a good thing when you, you have a team that gives a great effort out there. We have a lot of guys who are returning this year who have been in the fire, who have experience. And then you are blending some uh, young guys and, and guys who have gained some valuable experience last year 
who didn't who were who were not uh, significant uh, players or who had significant impact, but they but they gained some experience. So you think that uh, these guys grow to another level? Uh, some good additions coming from the high school level, um, guys who can score the basketball, and that's going to be key. Uh, they gave gave uh, give a great effort on the defensive end. Continue to do that. But now you have to add guys who can put the ball in the hole, who can stretch the floor, and, and guys who can shoot it so that you can open that floor a little bit more for guys who can create. Mm-hmm. I think you have that element here uh, um, uh, with the combination, like I mentioned earlier, of, of guys returning, guys who gained experience, and then and then new guys coming into the program. So it's definitely looking up. I feel like everybody's hoping that Deshaun Harris-Smith is going to handle that moving forward. Like, I feel like there's starting to be a lot of excitement about that young man as a legit bucket getter early on as a freshman. We will see how that plays out. Um, Walt, look, man, what happened the other night, I I was utterly stunned by, I mean, stunned. And it's hard for you to be stunned by anything that happens in the NBA Finals. But for a Nuggets team that had not lost a game at home all playoffs long, that was dominant in game one and was up 15 in the second half of game two, to blow that lead and it not really just being about like Jimmy Butler taking over, what did you make of what happened with the Heat going to the zone, how much it flummoxed the Nuggets, and do you feel like it opens up a brand new series or... Maybe it's more like that one time when Ty Lue and the Sixers beat the Lakers in one game, but really, ultimately, we still know which of these teams is the better team, and they're probably going to prove it over the course of the next few games. Well, I think that when you look at the Heat and they and they go to that zone or what have you, uh, when the Nuggets move the ball, they are getting great shots. They're just missing. It seems like it throws them off a little bit, but uh, the shots that they get, you know, they, they are absolutely makeable. So um, I think it's just a, a mindset when you go into this game that, you know, regardless of what the defense is doing, when they when you have open shots, you just have to make it. I, I, I You know, um, when you look at this Denver team, they, they are the more talented. You, when you talk about the star players, uh, I give Denver the notch there. When you talk about the others, I give Denver a little bit of a notch there. Uh, just a little bit, and, and so, but um, the, I think the difference in game two was Miami. They they made shots. Uh, Barlow, he Jimmy was a little bit more aggressive, but you know you have guys like Bam, Vincent. Those guys have been playing consistent in the in the series win uh, game one and two. Uh, Martin has been playing at an MVP no, kind no of doubt. level uh, throughout the series. So those other guys have have been doing it for Miami. And also what people don't realize is Miami, they, their team is the team with the experience. They have more experience. Their guys have more experience than the Nuggets do uh, uh, when, you, when you're talking about playoffs. So um, even though Denver has that, the, the, the more talent, uh, the Heat has other advantages here. They are the tougher team as well. And so uh, they have advantages that can even slate here. Uh, but I, I just think that the Denver, the the, the Denver Nuggets, uh, the way they played on the defensive end, uh, certainly they can uh, execute better than that. They were so inconsistent, and it allowed uh, the Heat to get wide open shots, especially early on, to get their confidence up and, and get guys the the others going early on. So I think the Nuggets can correct that. And uh, just like I said earlier, they I think that they are the more talented team. So. 
uh, you know, even though uh, the, the Heat played that well and, and got that uh, game two, I still give the nod uh, to the Nuggets in, in, in game three as well. I look back at that Boston series, and, uh, you know, Boston were a, were a better team. And they showed it how they could just run off three uh, games when they were zoned in and executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows what had happened had Tatum not sprained his ankle. So um, I think that the Nuggets are still in the driver's seat. But this game tonight is a very important game. Heat Nuggets game three is Walt mentioned tonight, 8.30. Walt Williams with us here on GCR. Well, one of the big storylines to me during the course of these playoffs has been Eric Spolstra, who once upon a time I feel like we dismissed as just being the guy that was along for the ride. Pat Riley built the team. He was handpicked. I think, if anything, we thought that maybe it was a disappointment that those powerful Heat teams only won two of those four titles um, in those four years that group was together. But I feel like maybe now we've got to come to appreciate and respect I think Eric Spolster is proving to be one of the best coaches. Like he might not be Greg Popovich, but I don't know outside of Greg Popovich who is definitively in this era a better NBA head coach, given what we've seen Eric Spolster able to do in the last few years. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember playing for the Heat back in the day when Eric was uh, locked in a little room, right, doing the video, video right. <laughs> and the thing about that was. Uh, Man, that dude had mountains and mountains of tape. Uh, he would always uh, he would uh, leave tapes on your on, in your locker room about different things with a with a little, little bit of a preview of things to look for, and you know, so so he he gained a wealth of experience. Um, I think through the, through that time frame, he learned uh, uh, guys uh, how they play uh, the the. Their strengths, their weaknesses, and now you translate that into becoming a head coach. Now you you not only need your assistants to kind of break that down for you, you know it yourself. Um, you know from the experience that he gained, and I, I would I would guess that that would be an advantage when you're out there and you're coaching and, it, and it's live, and then you have to make adjustments throughout the game. I think that gives him an advantage uh, where he comes from and being able to just zone in on uh, just little adjustments, uh, guy strengths, uh, understanding his team and what he can do to uh, uh, combat uh, whatever he sees as a weakness. So uh, you're absolutely correct in my in, in my opinion that um, you know he's one of the uh, best coaches uh, that we've seen, especially in the modern day. It's amazing. I mean, it really is remarkable what it is that he's doing. It, is there is there path like what the thing that jumped out the most in game two, and it also we saw it in the Sun series when the Nuggets did look vulnerable for a minute. Is the best path for the Heat to say? Let Jokic score as many points as he wants to score. Let him have a 40-point night. Let him have a 50-point night. That the, the bigger problem is when he's distributing. The bigger problem is when you're collapsing on him and it's leaving shooters wide open. Like, is, is the better strategy for the Heat to just say, go ahead, like have 50 points, whatever you want to score, we'll live with that as long as we continue to defend, or, defend and prevent you from kicking it out to open shooters all night? Well, I think that he's a guy who's shown that he can get 40 and still get triple doubles. I think that is because when when they uh, when they are playing better on the defensive end and getting rebounds, this guy gets the rebound and then he pushes it. So, uh, you know, when you, when you have to rebound the ball and then outlet it, 
it, it slows that uh, fast break down a half a second. It takes the whoever the outlet guy is. It takes him out of the equation. He becomes a trailer or somebody late in the transition. So when the guy who rebounds the ball becomes the, the guy who pushes it, mm-hmm. uh, you're a lot more successful in transition. So I think that if they are a better defensive team than they were in game two, that allows them to get out into transition, which allows the others uh, to get into a rhythm. Um, and so you, you can't uh, – uh, and the Heat didn't do this. They You, you can't allow him to play one-on-one all night. you got to kind of pick and choose when you want to do those things, uh, switch to the zone. You know, so it's different things that you have to do throughout. You can't just give them a steady diet or they're going to be able to take advantage of that. So uh, early on you want to um, – you know, they, the game plan was to uh, uh, not let the others get off and not let them get into a rhythm. Right. And then moments – you know, we can get it out of his hands. And, and those guys, when they're not in rhythm, they're going to miss shots. So, uh, hmm. you know, that's been the game plan for, for game two. But, you know, the, the Nuggets, they are a talented team. You know, you talk about guys like Porter, uh, Caldwell Pope, they can shoot the, the lights out. And so uh, they're capable of making the shots that they've missed. So um, I, I would guess that it's going to be other adjustments that need to be made. All right. Uh, before I let you go, Walt, uh, interesting story that's percolating this week in the NBA where apparently the Mavericks not only tried to trade for LeBron James at the deadline, but Kyrie Irving is openly campaigning for LeBron to come join him. I think we all know LeBron, two years from now, he's going to play for whatever team it is that drafts his son. So it's probably one year, wherever it would be, he probably saw late in the season the, the the toll, the impact of trying to be that guy at this age, and it's amazing. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him. It's unbelievable what he's doing at this age, but it's really difficult to single-handedly carry a team. Where is he best suited to be? It, like, if you're LeBron James, do you sort of say, man, I, I wouldn't have to carry things maybe quite the same way in Dallas? Like, that's a unique opportunity for me to try to go somewhere for one year win a title, and then go play with my son. What would you do if you were LeBron James right now? Hey, man, if you if you telling me that you can, uh, LeBron James can join a Mavericks team that keeps Luka and Kyrie, I mean, that's absolutely a team that is a, a championship-caliber team. I think when you put LeBron on any team, especially at this point in his career, if he's not the guy you have to go to, you if you have a go-to guy there, and then he's a guy who can – a uh, compliment and at times be a takeover guy, but and then you have others that's uh, that's surrounding him that can shoot the ball. I think that makes it your championship caliber mm-hmm. team wherever he goes. And that, I, I think that's uh, what his greatness is. And so, but like I said earlier, you, you're talking about a match team with Luca and Kyrie. I mean. That, that that's a tremendously talented team offensively, and so you, you if you join if he joins a team like that, you definitely have to surround him or the others with uh, pieces that can defend sure. and are able. Sure. To, uh, hit. No, I I completely get that. There's no doubt about it. All right, Walt. Before I let you go, give me a uh, make me a, a summer cocktail, a nice summer cocktail right now with clutch vodka. Give me the rundown. What am I what am I drinking when I'm out by the pool this summer? Oh man, it's clutch vodka. I, I like mine with cranberry juice, man. But it's gluten free, no sugar, no carbs. Uh, we organically filter ours with coconut shells to give you that smooth, crisp taste. It's not taking over the the whatever you want to mix it with. So it's a smooth taste there, man. And um, 
uh, definitely uh, something that uh, I enjoy on a on a, a consistent basis. And we are we are featured on a, a show called The Game that's on Paramount Plus right oh, that's now. Cool. Yeah, so we, it's exciting times, and uh, we're just trying to grow. That's awesome, man! Congratulations on that. Clutchspirits.com. If you want to find out where you can find Clutch Vodka right now, Walt the Wizard forty two on Twitter. Always appreciate you, brother. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And also, uh, if you want to get in touch with us on Instagram, it's at Clutch uh, at Clutch Vodka on Instagram and Facebook, and then at Clutch Spirits on Twitter. My man, appreciate you. Thanks, Walt. Walt Williams with the Siren GCR, of course, Maryland legend and a longtime NBA player. I had forgotten that he had a cup of coffee with the Heat. Like I had compl- and it really was a cup of coffee. Like it was a handful of games. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of the wild way things go, right? This is this sure. is the way I'm gonna feel, of course, once like someday in the future when uh, Zach is running the New York Mets. And I'm like, oh, I remember when he was our Saturday, you know, he was our producer. He would come you and think fill Steve in for, Cohen will let me do that? Yeah, I don't uh, know. At I some point know. in the future, that's the way that I'm going to feel. Walt's like watching the guy that was working mm. the, the tape room. Like, he was just, you know, Nate Shelley, right? Like, he's just the guy that's that's cutting film for him, become one of the best coaches in the entire modern history of the NBA. Which is a wild thing that I hadn't thought about much. Uh, but, yeah, Walt spent a little bit of time in 96 with the Heat. Uh, among his NBA stops. <sighs> Tonight, 8.30, game three. I, again, I, I'm with Walt. Like, I still default to I think the Nuggets are a a noticeably better team, but we have been so disrespectful to Miami throughout the course of these playoffs that... You know, I, I actually think that one of the more interesting things I heard him say mm-hmm. was that the veteran presence and the fact that Miami has so much experience in the playoffs is is how they're going to have a chance in this. I haven't heard someone bring up that angle, and I, I don't listen to too many people. Well, but it's but, weird because, like, the Jimmy Butler, that's true for, of course, yeah. right? Like, and, it's, and it, even that's weird because the finals they made... They aren't really fun. Like, this is such an awkward conversation to have every time I bring it up because I'm disparaging what happened in the bubble. But, like, you can't pretend that reaching the NBA Finals in the bubble is anything like reaching a real NBA Finals. It's like the Dodgers World Series. You take it with a grain of salt. And it it doesn't mean it doesn't count. It doesn't mean that, like, LeBron is only – I say this all the time. Like, I'm not one of these doofuses who's like, well, LeBron's only won three rings. It's just we have to be able to talk – when we talk about it, we have to be able to talk about it appropriately. And suggesting that, like, Jimmy Butler's experience in those finals prepared him for these finals, nonsense. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like having the intensity of an entire city, like, riding on your shoulders. Whereas when you were in the bubble, you had no idea what anyone outside the bubble was feeling in any particular moment because you couldn't. You were... You were separated from the the universe right. in that process, other than Lou Williams, of course. Lou, Lou Williams found a way to get out and get involved in the universe, and hey, man, if them lemon pepper wings are that good, I don't blame him for it. Um, but I, I don't know what to make of that. You're like, I, I, know it, I know it's something, and certainly Eric Spolstra, obviously, he's got an extraordinary amount of experience in comparison to Michael Malone, right? Like, Eric Spolstra, they drop game one, he doesn't blink. It's like, okay, cool, long way to go. Like, we, we'll be all right. Eric Spolster is, this is what, his sixth NBA Finals, counting the bubble? Like, you know, been there, done that. Michael Malone, first time ever. So it, it almost, like, defaults to him. Now, how's he going to handle facing adversity as a head coach? Yeah. 
I think similar to how Eric Spolstra was dismissed early in his coaching career, because again, I, I, I was among them that did. We all kind of thought that, like, you know, Zach could have coached LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade to two NBA uh, titles. Undoubtedly. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's really how we felt. Like, I think that I could have. And again, what we, what we pointed out was how in the hell didn't you win all four? Right? So, what, like, you're, the point you're trying to make is that. It's not so much the lack of experience, uh, or it is the lack of experience by the Nuggets, and not so much the veteran experience that the Heat I, had. I think that's what you're trying I to say. I think the coaching advantage is significant. Okay. I think the coaching situation. Michael Malone, we are we are now somewhat dismissing in the same way that this really isn't about Michael Malone. Most people don't even know who the coach of the Nuggets is. Like this isn't really. I couldn't about, have told you that. Of course you don't. And he played at Loyola, by the way. He's from here. Well, he's not from here. He's from Jersey or whatever. But he played mm. collegiately here. Um, but that's not just because you don't care about basketball. Like there are basketball no. fans. If, like hardcore basketball fans know who the coach of the Nuggets are. But there's a casual like I pay attention in the playoffs who couldn't. Like right now, name me the coach of the Nuggets. Um, like that would happen. Yeah. And basketball fans are inclined to say that Michael Malone isn't the reason the Nuggets are in the finals. It's because he's got Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Like, that that's thats what's got. He's got the, the guy that could have been a three-time MVP. And we're kind of doing the same bit. We're saying, like, you know, anybody could have gotten to the finals. So now he's got to prove kind of his value here. They got punched in the mouth last time out. They did not respond well to Miami switching to that zone. They did not respond to it. They panicked until late in the game. They finally figured it out in the final three minutes. And if that game had been three minutes longer, they probably would have ended up winning it. But they didn't. So now how does he respond to it as a coach? Does he just sort of say, you know, and that Walt Williams brought that up. We got, we got good looks. We just missed them. Well, I think your point is he doesn't have to because he has Jokic maybe, and Jamal Murray. Maybe. And it, or, again, like Walt brought up, maybe he just trusts. We're not going to miss the shots the same way. It's possible. Let's yeah. not do anything drastically differently. Let's just plan on making the shot. Let's not panic. Let's say, hey, we had a bad night. That happens. Let's go out and assume we make our shots tonight, and then this won't be an issue. And if that's the case, then, you know, we're going to come out of this, and we're going to feel the exact same way that we felt going into game two, where we thought the Nuggets were going to be well on their way to a romp in this series. I think, though, that that approach, and this is, again, I I don't know the sport as well, but I can tell you in any sport, I think that approach is short-sighted. Because you don't just go, you know, we're going to fix this in the NBA Finals. Maybe if it's, you know, game 42 of the NBA season and you're in the middle of it, you don't really care as much. But this is the NBA Finals where you've really got to pull out all the stops to try to win, you know, and really not have a close win, but a blowout win would mm-hmm. be your, your goal against a team like the Heat, who, like Walt said, is probably significantly less talented than the Nuggets are. So I think you've got to make a more drastic change than to say, okay, let's hope we make our I, shots. I, I hear you, and I think, you're, I think you're right about that, but I also understand that you don't want to panic. You don't want to suddenly start doing something that's not in your nature just because you lost a basketball game, right? Like, you, this is basketball. You're going to lose. They lost two games in, in Phoenix, right? Like, they lost two games, and it looked like the Suns had seized momentum back in that series. And then all of a sudden, they just came back to Denver. They didn't do anything all that drastically different. They just played better. Um so I don't, I don't know. I don't have the correct answer to it. But I do tend to agree with Walt that I just think they're better, and so ultimately I think that they will figure it out. I just think yeah. they're a better basketball team. I don't think this will go to Game 7. I no, really I, doubt I, that. I, I still don't think it will go to Game 6. Really? Right okay. now. I always thought it was a 5. And, okay. you know, they lost a game. I still think it goes 5. Yeah, very well could. 
Hey, uh, Stan the Fan Charles and Luke Jackson got together on Monday. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the videos tab. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. And then Stan Gary Stein and Towson basketball coach Pat Scary will get together tomorrow night. Again, live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. When we come back in, we're going to play Would You Rather Wednesday. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hey, O superfans, Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans, 15 and over at the game, to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. By the way, I think I'm going to take my kids on Saturday. I think we're going to go to the ball game. I think we're going to enjoy. That's a weird way to follow up a grinder segment. Well, no, it was the the commercial <laughs> that we just aired for uh, Adley Rutschman, Captain America. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's we just that just aired. That, that was makes the last sense. commercial in the break. I was thinking about the Nuggets. Uh, okay. Well, then I'm going to take my kids <laughs> to the get there. So this is the awkward part. Is I don't know how to handle this. So I think if you heard the spot, it's 18 and up for the bobblehead. Mm, is it? Why? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't Shouldn't it be eighteen and down? That's what, that's what I would have thought. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Whatever. I, I mean, I would say maybe all ages, but that's not my. Uh, pa- that's that not my place. Sense. The Orioles. I'm. I'm grateful that they're doing it. And I, my kids, of course, love Marvel. 
We're going this afternoon, by the way, to see the Spider-Man, the, um, the second Spider-Verse movie. I'm very excited about that. We're taking them. Uh, this is the pen. This is their final full day of school. Like tomorrow's a half day that doesn't count. So as like a reward for the school year, I'm taking them this afternoon to see uh, Spider-Man. But they're all in, and we're gonna go to Marvel Day at the ballpark on Saturday. But we, I don't know what we do because it's gonna be my father and I and the two boys. So my father and I will both get bobbleheads. And presumably, they'll assume that we'll just give our bobbleheads to them. But, like, dude, it's an Adley Rutschman Captain America bobblehead. Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to just give that up? Look, we got... Uh, I'm supposed to just... Yeah, what do you got back there? Who's that? This Who is, is that? Paul Valley's Take the Rake Trophy yes. uh, of Miguel Tejada that he so beautifully... And let me yeah, put it up on the camera turned the bat into a Attached rake. Yeah. a rake. I, do, I, I like that. I do like so that. Don't get me wrong. So, clearly, adults such as Paul Valley... Uh, like bobbleheads. Well, I so, stopped. I got out of it a long time. Okay. Ago. Once upon out a time, of the bobblehead business. Once upon a time, I was huge in the bobblehead game. But then I started having kids. Paul and, has many know. bobbleheads. Apparently, I, like we, trust we've me, had this I, discussion. I, and my friend Patrick Stevens, who's a regular on the show, like would always ask me about the most random trips to take to a bobblehead giveaway every year. Be like, dude, they're doing a Bone Thugs and Harmony bobblehead in Cleveland. Do you want to go? And be like, I don't think that I care quite as much. I think um, uh, driving six hours to Cleveland. But he also just likes going for, to, for, he, for he bobbleheads. He likes going to ballparks. It's like All an right. excuse for him to like. Let's take a weekend. He did coerce me once to going on a road trip with him. We didn't drive. We flew. Uh, we did. We flew into Columbus. Did the Saturday. I went to the ATP tour event in Cincinnati on Saturday. Okay. Then on Saturday night we went to a Reds game where it was like Scott Shebler bobblehead night. Mm, Scott Shebler. <laughs> oh God! I definitely gave that one away. <laughs> Um, and then on Sunday, we drove to Cleveland for an Orioles game okay. where it was also Jim Tomey bobblehead day. Now, that one was very popular. I don't know where my Jim Tomey bobblehead... Like, I had people offering me cash for that because it was a very popular... The crowd for that day was insanity. Um, and I get that. It's Jim Tomey. It's Jim Tomey, Cleveland, yeah. Right? It's like Scott Shebler, Jim Tomey. Yeah, not quite on the same uh, no. level. Um, but we, he did. He got. He, he talked me into that being a good idea. And I like take going to baseball games with Patrick. Patrick's a fun person because he likes the game and he scores the game and he's into it. Oh, he I'd, scores it. Okay. Oh yeah, he's all in. He's a baseball head, right? Okay. Like so, I like going to games with Patrick and. You know, we sit around and talk about old baseball people, and it's fun, right? Like, we have a good oh, time. Oh, it's nothing better than that. Just being like, yeah, um, I remember that guy in the Yankees in 07. But I, st- <laughs> yeah, right. I stopped, yeah, right. Man, Andy, Andy Stankowitz. <laughs> Let's talk about him. I stopped caring about the bobblehead thing. Like, I just yeah. don't, I'm, I'm too old, right? Like, I, I, I realize I'm never going to have a collection that's really worth money. And so, if you're not doing that, then what the hell is the point of the collection, right? Like, wh- why? So, I gave a few of them to my kids. Some of them are sitting upstairs, whatever. But now, it's an Adley Rutschman Captain America bobblehead. Mm-hmm. That's like perfection. How am I just going to give that up, man? Like, I feel like I have to try to get something out of that. Like, I feel like I have to convince my kids, you got to, you know, do whatever. Some sign up to clean the gutters for a year or something like that if you want my <laughs> Adley Rutschman Captain America bobblehead. I shouldn't just well, be giving it up for free. I there's so many bribes you could think of. I feel like I, I should have to get something out of giving them my bobblehead on sale. Also, I mean, eBay exists. You I can, understand that. You can find these things on eBay. Well, but what does that do for... What, what do you mean? I mean, so your kids get them, and then you go on after the oh, game no, and buy I, one I, off eBay. I don't, I don't from, care that much about from, it. From, I cer- from some guy I certainly don't care that much. Although, well, the one, the Braves, the outcast bobblehead the Braves did a couple weeks ago, uh, 1,000%. I was oh, you're peru- surely going to overpay for I it. I was perusing, and the prices were like $300. Exactly, yeah. So if at some yeah. point, because that was in the immediacy of it, I feel like it might crash in a couple months, 
at some point later this summer, I'm going to check again to see where the prices have gone with the no. Atlanta Braves outcast bobblehead, which I want very bad. Is that legal to sell a bobblehead on eBay that you get at a baseball game? I mean, we've been doing it for years. If it's not legal, <laughs> I feel like they would have cracked down on it at some point. Well, it's, it's, it's happened it's, forever. It's like the illegal streams. No, 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 in, in no, no, no. It's the eBay is way too mainstream of a website. All right, like fair, they fair, wouldn't okay. if they were, if it was illegal, it would have been shut down hmm. by now. Right. This is not the dark web that Maybe you're selling eBay these just figures that everyone's making their own or something like Paul I, Valley back there. No, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I think they know damn well that's not the case. How much? I actually want to look right now to see how much that is. Then we'll play Would You Rather Wednesday. I think the Rutschman bobblehead will go for a hundred plus. Uh, I think he's I think he's popular enough, and, and Captain America being the guy that he's going to be well, let's, impersonating. Let's see if anybody has pre-listed one. Oh, right now pre-listed. they're pre-listed at sixty-five dollars. Oh come on, <laughs> pre-listed at sixty-five. Pre-listed. Yeah. So what if this person who pre-listed it doesn't get the bobblehead? Well, like presumably they, they're like a season ticket holder or something that like okay, knows they're okay. going to get their bobblehead. Fifteen thousand fans, yeah, right. eighteen or older. Um, and then let me do the Outcast uh, Braves bobblehead. Let's just see where that market has gone. Ooh, one is down to ninety-six bucks. That's all. Has you written all over it, Glenn? All uh, over. I it. swear to God, I hope. I, this is not a joke. Somebody is selling the box oh. that the Outcast bobblehead came in for forty-four dollars. Well, it's only half, you know, just the box. It's it's less than half a ninety-six. I so. swear to God, that's a thing. There is one listing for ninety-six bucks. So I think if I keep waiting that out, give it another couple <laughs> of months, it might come down to a mark closer. I think I decided I would spend fifty dollars on an Outcast bobblehead. But that's the most that I will choose to spend on that okay. particular bobblehead. So I have to keep letting that fall for a little while. All right, let's get into uh, Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Birdland Sports. Get your answers in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. And you will be registered to win a T-shirt of your choice from our friends at Birdland Sports. All right, here we go. Would you rather numero uno? The Baltimore Orioles call up Colton Kowser today. He's in the lineup tonight against the Milwaukee Brewers and is the everyday center fielder moving forward until at least Cedric Mullins returns. Or eh, you can always do that a week from now. Maybe hole up and let Aaron Hicks cook for a little bit. You asking me? Yeah, you get to go first. Okay, all right, perfect. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been comfortable with the statement, let Aaron Hicks cook. Bro. I don't think I've ever. Not no. only did he hit the home run last night. This is the funny part of coming in to do the show today. Zach's like, uh, just, you know, I didn't watch the whole yeah, game last I, night. I, 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 yeah. Not only did he hit the home run. But I did see the Aaron Hicks home run. It was so he, actually. He hit the home run. And then his next at bat, he was flatly robbed of what should have been a two-run double. Okay. Then later in the game, he scolded a ball about 1,000 miles an hour towards right field that was snagged on the way out. Like, he, Look, he is getting some barrels do I, do I want to believe that Aaron Hicks is back to 2018 or 2017 form and he was a pretty decent player yeah I want to believe that but I don't I just don't Colton Kowser to me is a guy who probably like the rest of prospects will struggle at the beginning mm-hmm. and figure it out somewhere down the line when the league adapts to him and he adapts back I'm much more willing to put a playoff team in the hands of Colton Kowser than I am Aaron Hicks I mean, regardless I, of the fact that I, Hicks has playoff experience. I understand that. This one, I do think, is difficult because, on the flip side, the other statement is relevant, right? Like, well, you can always wait a week to call up Colton Kowser. Like, you don't have to call him I up mean, today. So, so a week is the specific time frame you pick. Well, I'm just saying whenever it is that you realize that Aaron Hicks has gone back to being a pumpkin, right? Like, whenever <laughs> it is that you're oh. like, oh, right, this was this Aaron, Aaron Hicks, Hicks we were talking about. Like, the, the flip side argument, which is why I posed it the way that I did, 
makes some sense, right? Like, what, what right. you don't have to call up Colton Cowser today. Like, maybe if it's a week, sure, whatever. You know, like, uh, you like know, weeks maybe, a week. That, my point is just like, in one scenario, you're getting him today, immediately. Colton Cowser okay. now. In the other scenario, it's just whenever, right? Like, in the other scenario, it's not like Colton Cowser is going away. It's just that you're not doing it today and you're riding out Aaron Hicks for as long as you can. Until you realize, no, it would have to be at least a week. Actually, you know, I'm going to change my answer. I'm still, I'm still going to go with Colton Kowser, but okay. for a different reason. I think that there is very little reason to ride it out with Aaron Hicks. He's not a better defender. Uh, he's certainly not going to be a better hitter, regardless of the what the nah, five five keep game, saying that five game stretch he's put together here that. with the Orioles. But my my reasoning before it was my buddy our buddy Josh Sroker from section or from um yeah from section three thirty six but Birdland Sports when they called up uh, or then when they signed Aaron Hicks he tweeted out we're not going to make an Aaron Hicks T shirt and now I'm like dude we are about three games away from you <laughs> having to make well, look, coming up with some sort of play on Hicks like whatever it's going to be like a Hickstery or something like that wow you are about three games away from having to make an that Aaron really Hicks T shirt rolls off the tongue All right? I. If it's a week, whatever, I guess is kind of how I feel. But then again, why not on Colton Kowser? Right. It, it, it's right. the same argument you make with Jordan Westbrook. People are pretty torn on this one, by the way. Which really? Is, which makes me happy. It does make me happy. Like, because I do think the other part, the other side of this is reasonable. Like, it's a reasonable oh, argument. No doubt. Yeah. For you don't have to do this today. Like, you can wait and just see where this goes with Aaron Hicks. And Ryan, sure. why not ride the hot hand for as long as it's hot? And if the hot hand is only going to be hot for two weeks. All's good. You got two weeks of a hot hand, and you move from there, yeah. right? Like I, I understand the argument. I do think that the correct answer is get Colton Cowser's feet as well as get as much of a look at Colton Cowser as you can possibly yeah. get, because then when Cedric Mullins returns, you can start having the other conversations, right. the like conversations about whether or not Cedric Mullins is ultimately a right fielder. You know, you can start having that conversation once he gets back if. Colton Kowser is coming up and is showing you all the things that, that demands he be your center fielder of the future. I'm also very torn on that because God, Cedric Mullins' range is just so spectacular. It that, is. Like, and not to I, make Aaron Hicks out to be a bad defender either because no, he's, he's actually quite no, good. No, 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 not at all. He's quite good. Uh, number two, uh, of course, we know there's been some whatever Twitter drama involving J.K. Dobbins. Mm. So would you rather... I'm, in either scenario, what I'm giving you is J.K. Dobbins is going to have a strong season this year. He's going to be a high-level player, healthy, high-level player this year. Okay. At the end of the year, the Ravens give J.K. Dobbins a four-year deal worth about $9.5 million per season. Reasonable okay. deal. Or, you know what? I just don't want to spend any money at all at running back. So, how much of that is cap hit per year? Are we talking like nine? I mean, it would be, it, cap hit? It, would, it would be different based on the year. Like they would structure okay. it in certain ways. Like probably would be low at the beginning and more at the end, and you know th th that would be the likely way that they would do it. But it would be an an annual average value of about nine and a half million dollars, which I did because it puts him right on the edge. Like there's about ten running backs right now that are making ten million dollars. Okay, I, I like the number. I think you're right in the right ballpark. I don't like the amount of years. So I would have to go with the latter option, Okay, that I am comfortable walking away from J.K. Dobbins. And here's the reason for that. You don't see running backs go in the first round that often. This, you certainly this, don't. Uh, at, at this point in, in time. By the way, for what um, it's worth, if you're doing a four-year deal, you're probably making it more like a three-year deal. Okay. Like, that's yeah. normally the way the contracts work in the NFL. I'm still not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And that's because Dobbins has been off the field a lot, almost as much as he's been on it. Mm-hmm. You can easily get a guy. But I am projecting a full year this year. Like in this scenario, I'm yeah, giving you that, it's a full that, that, year, that, that's strong, fine. healthy, 
playing really well. That's fine, but there's three years possibly that he could deteriorate or not be the guy you thought he once was. I think that a lot of good running backs have come out of the second, third, fourth round, even fifth round mm-hmm. in the past few years. It's very attainable for the Ravens to have a pick and say, okay, let's take this guy from USC in the fifth round in 2024, and that's your new running back. And I don't think that's a bad option. I, I, he may not be J.K. Dobbins, but I don't think running back is hard to replace. More people are going that way. I mean, it, this one is, I say it's split. It's probably 70-30 okay. in favor of you just don't pay a running back like that. That's right. the way that it goes. It is a tricky thing for me, though. Like The idea of having a player play really well and then just moving on from him. That's a very difficult line if it for were me a corner. to cross. Well, if it's a corner, it's obvious. That's completely I understand different. That, but I'm saying any, it's a very difficult thing for me to sign up for a high-level player and just moving on at any position. That's a very tough thing for me I guess. to do. Yeah. To create problems where problems don't exist. Now, I get it. Like, I, And I said this this when I wrote about J.K. Dobbins for PressBoxOnline.com. I, I do think that at some point... You do have to acknowledge that you're, the money's going to have to come from somewhere right. in these future hits for Lamar Jackson. So you're going to have to budget less money somewhere else in order for that to happen, and running back would be an obvious choice for a place where you budget yeah. less money to in order to make sure that you have your money to soak up these hits yeah. for your quarterback moving forward. But it's still difficult for me to just say, high-level player, you just walk away Wait, wash your hands with it. I get it, though. Yeah. It's probably the right answer. And to play devil's advocate against my own theory, mm-hmm. I think that I, I was very against Patrick Ricard getting a deal and coming back. But then I think you saw this season, and maybe that was more of a, a Roman run offense, but how really vital Patrick Ricard has been in the blocking game to the Ravens' strategy. Mm-hmm. And, you know... <sighs> I would always say, okay, I think they can get a guy like Ben Mason, for example, can just replace Ricard. It's not that big of a deal. But I'm not sure I necessarily think that anymore. I think that Patrick Ricard is that much better than everyone else at his position, except maybe a Kyle Juszczyk, that he is extremely worth the money and, and every bit worth the, the salary he's getting right now. I, I Look, I now so it's, my, it's also a lesser number, right? Like sure, yeah, sure. So that, that does factor into that. We'll save number three. We'll get back to because we've got to call Mike Devereaux here. Get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for Would You Rather Wednesday. Again, everyone who participates, unless you've won in the last month, everyone who participates will be registered to win a, a T-shirt of their choice from Birdland Sports. So get your responses in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show is also brought to you by this print issue of PressBox. We are in the uh, final days for you to get this one. So if you've not picked it up yet, you need to get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, in order to pick it up today. You can always read it at PressBoxOnline.com. You see the illustration of Jackson Holiday on the cover. Again, go pick up this issue, this pipeline primer issue of PressBox, before it is gone for good next week so we got one week left on this print issue of press box for you to go get it before it is gone forever uh i've uh, told the story a number of times i've told it to him a number of times as everyone knows my absolute favorite baseball player growing up was our next guest so much so that yes i did ask my mom and she obliged and when i was like eight nine years old something like that she bought a nondescript plain Orioles jersey and sewed this man's name and number on the back of it so that I could be this man for Halloween. He's coming back, and he's going to be hanging out with the folks on Masson and working some broadcasts this summer, which I'm really excited about. 
He is Orioles legend Mike Devereaux, and he's with us now here on GCR. Devo, it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up, brother. Thank you for taking the time this morning. Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. thanks for having me. It's it, I'm great. It's great to chat with you, man. I know you're a busy man, like coaching. What? So t- remind me what it is that you're working. You're doing the thing with the Ripken Experience. No, I am actually at the Ripken Experience coaching a team. My son is playing 11U baseball, so we brought our team out here today for this tournament. Actually, this week for the tournament. That's awesome. So we are here. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I know your son. Remind me how old your son is. He's 11. Actually, He's a, just turned 12 the other day. Just turned so. 12. And, like, yeah. you told me before, he can legit play, right? Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's pretty good. Oh, he's left-handed. He's left-handed, hits left, and uh, got wheels. Loves the I outfield. Love plays first that. base, pitches. So uh, he uh, awesome. takes advantage of the speed. He's pretty good. Awesome, Mike. Hey, um, I, I see you're going to be coming back and working some games. That's a very cool thing. Tell me about how that came about and um, how much you felt like inclined to try to be paying attention to what's going on with the Orioles, knowing you're going to be working these broadcasts this summer. Well, it came out of nowhere, actually. I had no, I, I, it just came up, got the call, and I'm, I mean, it was a definite yes, and I'm excited to go there. As far as following the Orioles, um, I've always been, you know, for playing for the Orioles, always respected the team and respected Baltimore, and uh, got the opportunity this year also to, to go down for the first week of spring training uh, in Sarasota which was incredible. Yep. So got to uh, know a lot of the guys on the team. My son was able to come down and, and work out with the team and meet some of the guys and ask questions and talk about it. And I told my wife, I came back and I said, I am so much an Oriole fan right now. I'm going to watch them. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I get to love the kids. And, and it, it kind of reminds me, of, uh, kind of reminds me of, uh, of the 89 season, the way they were, or the way we were back then. And uh, the enthusiasm, the youth of the team, and the fact that uh, Mike was like saying that, hey, this is not a rebuilding year anymore. We're not rebuilding. We're playing. So they have that winning attitude. And uh, so from that point on, I just started watching and watching and watching and really following the team. And then I ended up getting a call after that. So it just kind of fell into play. That's really cool. Mike Devereaux is with us here on GCR. Mike, you know, you mentioned this is a team. They're good. There's no debate about it. What What do you think is the difference right now between this being a good baseball team and a fun story and being a team that can – you mentioned 89, right? You guys came up just a little bit mm-hmm. short in 89, and then, you know, you weren't able to follow up on that and build a championship-caliber team in the coming years. What's the difference in taking a team that's got the right culture and the right vibe and then making it a championship-caliber team? Well, it, 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 it's tough, but I think it started last year when the team realized that they could that they could play, and they started uh, doing very well last year, and then they they followed up going into this year and, and kept it going. I think that was key, the fact that they uh, they came out strong this year, and um, the youth there, and the the, com- the camaraderie, and the the fact that the the way the coaches react to the the players, the hitting guys, everybody is just meshed into one, and they all they all have the same goal, and I think. That's kind of what we had in '89, and um, and, I, and I see that it, it's it's tough to win the World Series. It really is, no. um, but every, everything has to everything has to have, have to work out. And uh, not saying that that will happen this year. I would love for it to, and it's very very possible. But um, they're working towards that, and uh, and they, they see it in the future, and I do too. 
uh, Mike. You, when I say the future, I say the future as in this year. I love that. So. I love the sounds of that. May that yeah. be the case. Like yeah. I, I saw you talk to Rock about Cedric Mullins, and it's a bummer because you know he ends up getting hurt. But my, I, uh, I, I'm ready for the Orioles to plant a flag and give Mullins a, you know, a five-year, you know, hundred million dollar deal type of thing because it just seems like at this point he's checked every. I, look, is he going to be a thirty home run hitter again? Probably not. Right? Like he'll probably never match the thirty home run season from a couple years ago when the balls were juiced. But my God, everything else he does <laughs> and brings the table is so incredibly valuable to me that as long as he comes out from this and he's healthy, I, I feel like he is absolutely a centerpiece of what the Orioles are trying to do moving forward and building a championship-caliber roster. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not into like that, that side of it as far as the negotiation, as, as far as contracting is concerned. No, I think Cedric, what he's doing right is what he's doing. He's going out there playing at the best of his ability, putting up numbers, you know, uh, pulling the team together. And doing what he does best, and that's that's all he can do. He can only do what what he does, and I just love watching him play along with all the Orioles. I mean, there's so many guys on there that that uh, that are having fun and, and playing this game the way it should be played. I mean, it, it he's just such a spectacular player, man. Like it's it and it no and, doubt. and it it seems like guys take their cues from him and everything along those lines. Um, Mike, can mm-hmm. you can you walk me through like so? We're what we're worried about at the moment: the Orioles in eight of their last eleven games have scored three runs or fewer. Is this a problem, or is this just sort of how baseball works, that you're going to have stretches where that's the case and don't overreact to it, stay the course, next week everything's going to be fine? Yeah, yeah. and you know what happened with us in 89? We went through a little slump, and uh, and then that's part of the game, and you, you have to work through it. You know, it's always great to... to to not go through a slump like that as a team or as a hitter, yeah. as a player, whatever, but, but, it, but it happens. And, and they have to stay confident that, that they, they stick with their same goal. And this is just like a little blip and they'll, 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 they'll come through it. And I mean, it, it happens in this game. Uh, it's all, not always uh, what they call butterflies and rainbows or whatever. I mean, you have to fight. You have to, you, you have to, you have to go at it. And uh, it, 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 it's not easy to win. Not easy to make the playoffs, and there's there's ups and downs. Hey, before, but, um, Mike, I know I got to let you go here in a minute because you got to get ready for uh, for baseball today. But like, can you take me through just being down there and around the team? I, I don't. I feel like there's still people that are like, "Hey, we're not really sure about Brandon Hyde. We don't really know like, you know, what what his role has been in all of this." And never, you know, how it is with man. Everybody criticizes everything. You know, you you should have put this guy in at this point, or what are you doing making that lineup? What did you learn about Brandon Hyde well, being around the team and, think, and how important he is? I think Brandon is respected by all the guys on the team, and I think that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, when I, I, I know him, of course, but being down there for spring training, and I, I, I see it firsthand and how the players want to play for him and, and how he's a player's manager, easy to talk to, um, you know, let the guys do what they need to do to, 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 to get it done right. And, and I think the respect is, is there. For Brandon, I think that sometimes there's a lot of talk that goes on, but I don't think that talk is within within baseball, within uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I, I think you're right about that. I, as a team, yeah. as a team, oh, no, and I, how they respect I, Brandon. Yeah, I think it, it is incredibly great, greatly respected by these guys. Mike Devereaux, yeah. we can't wait. I tell you what, when you get back up here to do these games, we're going to talk again then, right? Like we're going to have a conversation right, again good. then here in July when you're back up working with Mass and enjoy uh, the trip down there with your son, man. And let's talk again real soon. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Devo. Take care. Go Rose. It's Mike Devereaux. Appreciate him hopping on with us for a minute this morning. Um, 
love Mike Devereaux. Love Mike Devereaux. And uh, great to have him back uh, working with the team. And will be great to have him in the booth this summer working with Masson. I was going to say, he's in a broadcasting role, correct? Yeah, because he's, he's going to be doing okay. a series in July and a series in August awesome. as well. Awesome. So uh, I think if I remember right, I saw that it was going to be a three-man booth for those series. Now, I love the um, McDonald Brown Palmer three-man booth. Oh, yeah. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I get where, like, we don't need that every night. Like, I can understand the Orioles. Like, that, that can be for maybe special events during the course of the year we go to the three-man booth. Yeah. But I... You know what? I, I actually love Rock in the booth. I think Rock is <sighs> great at it. I really do. That's a tough thing for me. I, I'm not saying... I don't think he's bad at it. Immediately when Rock's in the booth... I'm not getting Ben McDonald or Jim Palmer. And That's those fair. guys are okay. so good at what they do. They're so insanely good at this that a night where I don't get one of those two guys. I, I've been talking. I know Kyle Goon wrote about it for the Baltimore Banner. I don't know how Jim Palmer at this point in his life is getting is somehow better. He's already maybe yeah. one of the, the five greatest analysts in baseball history. And s- spare me, though. All he ever does is talk about himself. Spare me. But I don't know if you've heard, he's Jim Palmer. This isn't F.P. <laughs> Santangelo talking about himself. <laughs> For F's sake. Like, we, just say you don't know, or you weren't alive, and you don't understand how important Jim Palmer was. The authority that Jim Palmer brings when he talks about himself is unlike almost anyone in baseball history. This ain't Pat McAfee talking about himself. This is one of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball. He knows. Now, I also understand there have been stories told that it can be abrasive for current players because they don't want to hear about it, right? Like, they, they just want to be able to do their job. And Jim, I don't care about that either. They would be smart to listen, but that's not my concern. Right. Jim Palmer has added this to his repertoire. He is better at handling replays than anyone in the history of broadcasting. The moment there's a replay, instead of doing this, uh, oh boy, hey, hey, that's close, Jim Palmer explains exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you see, he gets his hand in there. Now, now look at that angle. There's a chance that they're going to make this call stand, but the way that I see it, his hand is in there and he's safe. Yeah, goes really in depth with it. Jim Palmer quickly, concisely explains exactly what happened on a replay. He was already one of the greatest analysts in baseball history, and he's added an extraordinary strength with replay. Yeah. Um, it does I, – I don't know how to explain it. And yet, I get whimsical when Ben's there because I love Ben's personality. Right. And he's also was a high-level player, and he has a lot to offer. And his personality is exceptional, and he and Kevin Brown are developing something. The way that Jim Palmer had that with Gary Thorne, and when you were sitting down to a night of baseball with Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer, you said to yourself, I am so happy that this is how right. I'm spending my Tuesday evening. I will make that comment on Jim, on Jim Palmer, because I, I don't think that he has the same rapport with Kevin Brown. Not with Kevin Brown Which, which is with to Gary be expected. Yes. I mean, there's a huge age difference right. between those guys. There's a difference in experience. There's a difference in all those things. Right. He does not... Ben McDonald and Kevin Brown have put together that type of rapport and relationship. Right. And they work more games together in the whole thing. Jim Palmer and Kevin Brown don't have what Jim Palmer had with Gary Thorne. Right. But yet, Jim Palmer, the analyst, exceptional. Bonkers. It's bonkers how good he is at this. 
he I've said this jokingly a couple times. Jim Palmer, the analyst, might be better than Jim Palmer, the pitcher. And that's a bar up here. Jim Palmer, the analyst, is in, and this is part of me being a broadcaster and like understanding more of what the role of an analyst should be. Yeah. No one does it like Jim Palmer. I'm, no I'm with one. you. I'm with you. Now, He's excellent. I do love Ben. And I love Ben and Kevin together. Yep. And like, that's the only issue that I have in those situations. Like, when it's not one of those guys, I feel like immediately I'm taking a step back because the bar is so insanely high. For what it is, and we've been very fortunate in that way. And look, I yep. bet there are other cities where they like their guys or they're used to their guys or whatever it is. I, I don't pretend to watch Mariners games on, on a Thursday night. I don't know. Bill Schrader is the Brewers color analyst. Maybe okay. Bill Schrader is a damn good color analyst. I don't know. I don't watch. So it's hard for me to have that bar. I pretty much watch <laughs> right. Orioles, Orioles games yeah. and then postseason games. That's right. what I watch. Jim Palmer is better as color analyst than anybody working in the postseason. Anybody. Smoltz is good. He's good. Clearly, it's better than the booth they had before. No offense. No disrespect to Harold Reynolds, who I think is good in the role that he has. But that was a bad booth that they put together for a little while. McCarver was obviously outstanding, but didn't have the cachet of Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer, we're talking about. Uh, He is working, uh, Mike Devereaux, uh, July 14th or 16th. Uh, and August 8th through 20th. So Marlins and Astros series. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited about that. All right, uh, when we come back in, we'll get a, uh, we'll, uh, fi- finalize Would You Rather Wednesday. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular. Don't forget, you can go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at pressboxonline.com slash offers. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Hey, oh, super fans, Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans, 15 and over at the game, to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Winding down for a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program, Zach. The final Would You Rather Wednesday scenario. Uh, you did? Did you watch Succession at all? I did not. Okay, so there was a phrase that came up in the final episode of Succession. The phrase was "pain sponge," that someone was finding out they were getting, they were going to have a certain job, and they were being informed this is not a glamorous job. Okay, your job, you're the pain sponge. Okay, you're taking on all of the S. Okay. Without getting any of the, like, all you're going to do is eat an S sandwich at all times. So you're basically in prison. Um, no, you, you're not. <laughs> it's very different than prison. <laughs> it's not prison. But you have a job. It, pay, it pays you the whole thing. Okay. But your job is to just eat all of the S sandwiches. Like, okay. your job is never pleasant, Okay. but somebody's got to do it. And you are going to get compensated in order to do it. So would you rather, scenario number three, would you rather... You are hired today by the PGA Tour for $200,000 to be their pain sponge. For you to be the one that's got to eat all this up. You've got to soak up all of the crap. You've got to be the one that does all of the nonsense. You've got to do all of it. And you get none of the... Your job is never pleasant. It's just you're there to be the pain sponge. Ah, we got to eat. We got an ENS sandwich today. We got to deal with this. Ah, We're sending Zach to handle it. $200,000. $200,000. Or, for $100,000, your job will be the judge of a new sporting competition that is coming from our friends in Sweden. Have announced the first ever six-week Swedish sex championships. Oh, man. And we don't know all the wow. details yet. How enticing. Of the Swedish sex championships. But uh, Southern Sweden is coming up with a competitive series, many different uh, competitions involved in the overall championships. It's sort of like the Olympics. It's the Sex Olympics. Wait, so are people actually having sex? Yes, or? this is legitimate. And like the judges are just watching? Yes. And, and So it's like live it could porn? Be, it could be actual sex. It could be a sex act. It could be any of these things. Interesting. You're a judge for $100,000 <laughs> for the Sex Olympics or for $200,000, you are the pain sponge. For the PGA Tour. Oh, man, I had a Ben Roethlisberger joke I was about to make I there. I don't but know I, if we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, won't, I won't do that. But, I, you know, I'm going to take the 200 grand. I mean, mm. I, it, 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 it all sounds terrible. 
I don't want to work any of those See, jobs. This is where you and I are going to disagree. Really? I think it would be cheeky. A hundred grand? I think it would be cheeky. A hundred grand for that, though? If I'm hosting a television show, I want to uh, make a Pro- lot more Proctor than points hundred out grand. It's only a six-week commitment for the uh, set because they uh, it's a six-week event. It's only a six-week commitment where it's the rest of the year that I said for the PGA Tour. So do keep oh. that in mind. Now, so, I don't know that you're making $100,000. But then I'm just unemployed, just unemployed after right, six correct. weeks. Well, I don't know. You could put that on your resume. Think about how that, where that could get you. <laughs> I mean... I think you're seriously underestimating so the it, misery of being the pain sponge. So part of this, I think you had to watch Succession in order to understand. Like, yeah, probably. Like, literally, the first S sandwich that this person was asked to eat was their new boss telling them, so like, oh, and by the way, I intend to F your wife. Am I... Oh. Yeah. Uh, am I getting a brick thrown through my window? Is that kind of the, the uh, thing we're thinking I mean, about here? Is someone going to shoot me? Somebody I mean, who I, we'll go with they're not going to shoot you. Okay. Like, well, I'll give you that much. But you're going to be hated. You're going to be despised because you are going to be the guy that on every turn is having to put over. Oh, you know, it's just it's so great to be working. You guys don't. So understand. Jay, Jay so, Monahan, basically. But it's it's somehow worse than that. Okay. Jay Monahan is using you to deflect from him. Jay Monahan, at least, is the guy that like built something. You've accomplished nothing. There's nothing that you get to go back and say, here's what I did. Okay. All you are is the person that's got to be get beaten up. You're the one that's going to be written about in all the columns. All right. You, no one's no, and you don't even get the benefit of like, hey man, we're really thankful that you're here to do this. That vacation with 200 grand is going to be really nice, though. Mm? Really nice. You get to go away. I I I. Think, I'm taking the PJ tour. I think you are underestimating how miserable this experience would be. I think the other situation would be I don't almost understand. as miserable. It would be hilarious. I hilarious. Mean, uh, maybe. It would be absolutely one of the funniest things that you could It'd ever It'd be so weird. But you don't have to be a perv- you don't have to be jumping no, I, in there I, and getting I, venereal I, diseases. I, I, like you're able to just sit back and be like, <laughs> look at these idiots. Look at these big stupids that think that they look awesome and this is real like this is actually gonna happen this is a thing that is going to occur in sweden they are trying to well i think you and griffin have to watch and do a review um i would be willing to uh, i mean i i don't know i would like to get the job as the judge here's the details (laughs) from the daily star a strip club owner is trying to turn the six-week sex championship into an official sport dragon bradich who owns a number of strip clubs in the Jonkaping area, it's beautiful this time of year. You got you have to visit. Area of southern Sweden is keen to make romping competitive. This is written again, it's a British paper. Romping. Yeah. In January, Bradich <laughs> applied to enroll the association. The okay. association. The sex asso- the National Sex <laughs> Association. As a member of the National Sports Confederation. Oh. With the help of the Swedish Sex Federation. That's what it's called. It's a thing. He called for the Scandinavian country to host a stunning sex championship lasting six weeks. Explaining his astonishing request, Bradich told Swedish media outlet P4 Jonkaping. And again, it's just, it's beautiful. I read actually the Jonkaping Times most mornings. It's oh, I bet, reading. yeah. Yeah. Uh, quote, we are registered, have an organization number, and it's perfectly okay to train and compete in sex. Then it's a sport like any other. The incorporation of sexual orientation as a part of sporting tactics will be a groundbreaking development <laughs> among European countries. Unquote. Wow. The championship would see six different disciplines practiced, including seduction, body massages, foreplay, <laughs> oral sex, and endurance. Probably, Mrs. Clark is probably thinking to herself, well, you're out. Uh, the request <laughs> sought to introduce six six-hour sessions each day wow. with individual matches in each discipline lasting between 45 and 60 minutes. 
20 people from different countries will be judged on various factors such as their creativity, artistic communication, wow. and range of positions. Like, are they judging the, <laughs> range like of the soundtrack? Yeah, by a, pan- <laughs> by a panel of three experts oh. who would decide the championship's winners. Now, this might be a problem because you, you might say, well, I don't feel as though I rise to the level of expertise that's necessary in order to be a judge. I don't but know. We're I, giving I mean- you a spot. Zach, we're giving you the spot. I'm still taking the PGA Tour. Stupid. I'm definitely. I got to be employed. Look, if I'm making 200 grand for the rest of my life as the PGA Tour's sponge, I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with that. Proctor says I was out at seduction. I'll be a millionaire in five years. You act like I haven't turned you on, Proctor. You tune in every day. (laughs) I know. I know. Well, you're not going to get the you you only get the job for the rest of the year. You don't get the job for five years. You only get it for the rest of the year to shepherd them through this nonsense. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. I said the rest of the year. Oh, I didn't listen to that part. The rest of the year. That makes all you're doing. All you're doing is soaking up the pain of them doing this crap with the live tour. That's it. That's your job. Is just shepherd I'm sticking them with that. It. You get no it. pleasantries. You don't even get to go out to the events. You get you get left back in the, well, the office. That's dude. You're the pain sponge. What part of this do you not get? I gotta watch Succession. You apparently. are the Six pain sessions. sponge. Jeez, can't say it. There is nothing pleasant about it. Yeah, apparently not. By the way, I'm in in Sweden. P- in Sweden, they're gonna be looking to have sex sessions. Do I get PTO or I mean, when, how does this work? Like, uh, it's a job. But you don't get any nothing pleasant about it. I, I, I yeah, nothing. I got it. I got it, it sucks. It's awful. You are just the guy they shovel all of the crap towards. Well, what are the responses? Oh, oh, like? the nine eleven families want to talk to us. Good news. You know, who you get to talk to. You get to talk to Zach. <laughs> now you got to go to talk to all of. I the, am pretty the, charming. Though, they so. lost their families to nine mm. eleven, and you have to go talk to them about why it's a good thing that the PGA is getting in bed with Saudi Arabia. That's what's your actually job. sad is that someone's actually going. to I have understand to do that. that. That's why you're signing up for it to be you. <laughs> do you understand well, this? I am currently unemployed, so if anyone you are if, signing if, if, if up, the PGA is looking to I'm be available. the one that goes and looks in the face of someone who lost their father on 9/11, and you got to say, "Yeah, but like, Glenn, if know, it, think, it, think about the good it's going to do for the game." If it was, <laughs> you're the one. Nah, that would not be. Yeah. Uh, how about maybe fun. instead you just get to watch people attempt to give uh, hummers? You know, like doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> if it was five, you, know, you don't have to talk to any 9/11 families about the sex well, championship. Look, if you make the sex championship two hundred thousand dollars, I'll take that one. It's all about the money. It's not all about money. It's not all about. Now you sound just like the PGA Tour. Now that's what you <laughs> no, sound like. No, I don't like. want to sound like that. Now that's what you sound like. I don't like. want to well, sound I'll, like that. Oh, by the way, you, you know who's employing you? The Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. That, that is true. That is true. Feel good about that? Not really. Is that worth two hundred thousand dollars? I would not feel great about that. Some of the rest of us are just gonna be having a great time in Pajonga King or Pajonga Pajonga Jong. Pajonga Jang. The hell that place is called. Wow. All right, that was number three. Continue to give me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for Would You Rather Wednesday. Tidbit brought to you today by AJ Michaels, expert and award winning. AJ Michaels, heating, AC, plumbing, and home performance will help you improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More AJMichaels.com. All right, Glenn, I have a fun little tidbit for you. Luisa Reyes uh, is currently on track to hit 400. No, he's, 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 he's flirting batting, right there, yeah. He's batting 401 at the moment. Mm-hmm. He raised his average last night to 401. I believe he had two hits last night, mm-hmm. and that's where he sits now. It has been since, obviously, Ted Williams in the 1940s for someone to hit 400. But that leads into my trivia question about players who have hit around the 350 mark and how many times they have done it in their career. So there's one player, let me let me just explain this before you jump in. There's one player who hit 
uh, over 350 six times. Uh, there is one. There are two players that have done it five times, and three players that did it four times. Can you name those players? And this is in the span of 1942 through 2018. I can't believe somebody in 2018 hit over. Well, I I, I cut out. No, this is just that that span. It, nobody in okay, 2018 like, did that. Like, there's no way that somebody mm. in that recent hit. Someone decently recently, decently, decently recent, decently recent, decently recent. Uh, <laughs> Decent. Well, didn't Mauer have like an ex- absurd? Joe Mauer is not one of them. He's not. But I know. I'm pretty sure he had like a 350 he, he type of season. Could have. All right. Um, this is 350 or higher average uh, for qu- players quality. And how many times do you have to do it to make the list? So six, five, or four. Three players did it five times. Two players did it four times. One player did it six times. I don't think Ichiro did it that many times because he just his career wasn't long. Is enough. that a guess or is that not a guess? No, it's not a guess. Okay. It's not a guess. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn did it six times. He is your number one. George Brett. Good guess, but no. George Brett was actually quoted in the article where I found this. Hmm. He probably did it a bunch, but not that much. Probably did. Uh, this one's a tricky one because I'm going to try Barry Bonds. Not Barry Bonds. He had a couple of seasons where his average was out of control because he just got it was he got walked so it, frequently it, it, that his it average was, was right. Just but keep in mind he'd have to have at least four yeah. to be on this list. Rod Carew. Rod Carew. It did it four times. Got to think of just hitters. Who else is just a hitter? And when did you say this started? Uh, forty-two. So this could count Ted Williams. This uh, does not count Ted Williams. No. Oh. Roberto Clemente. No. And let me know when you want me to start uh, throwing hints out there, because I will gladly do so. Uh, Proctor wants to guess Pete Rose. No. Although, I don't know how that's possible. Well, I'm going to fact check this article. I mean, he had a ton of hits, but he also spanned that out over a long time period of time. True, I, true. Three, 350. Yeah, 350. For is six, four, five or four times is, is pretty tough. How about um, Stan Musial? Stan Musial did it five times. How many are missing now? So you need one, two, three. Jeez. Three guys missing. Still three guys. Uh, Proctor also wants to guess Mickey Mantle. No. And he wants to guess Ichiro, who I'm certain Ichiro did it four times. Damn it! <laughs> All Damn right, it. So you have two more. I, one right. of them is, is difficult. I'm not sure you'll get one of them. But the other one is a, a pretty notable contact hitter, good hitter all around Hall of Famer. Good hitter all around. Good hitter all well, around. I would say they're both Hall of Famer. Carl Yastrzemski? No. Good guess, though. Good hitter all around Hall of Famer. Good hitter all They're both Hall of Famers, actually. They're both Hall of Famers. How about Wade Boggs? Wade Boggs did it five times. So he's your other five, and then you've won more four. Uh, Proctor won in Mickey Mantle. No, not Mickey Mantle. Um, this guy won an MVP at one point as well. A lot of guys want MVPs. That's I'm not sure that's true. really going to help me all. You want to give you the time frame he played in. If he hit 350, I'd like to hope that he won an MVP. Um, the time frame that he played in, eh, eh, sure. He played from 1989 to 2005. 1989. Chipper Jones? Not Chipper Jones. He didn't win an MVP, did he? Did Chipper Jones ever win an MVP? Probably. I would think so. 1989 to. Oh, boy. He did win an MVP, Chipper Jones. Frank Thomas. Not Frank Thomas. 1989 to when? When did he? 2005. Ended his career with St. Louis. Ended his career with... But not known as a Cardinal. Not known as a Cardinal, but ended his career with St. Louis. Larry Walker? Larry Walker is your final... I didn't remember 
Larry Walker Correct. winning an yes. MVP for what it's worth. Did he win an MVP? Was that in 94? He won MVP in 97. Oh, he yeah. hit, he slashed 363, f- no, sorry, 366, 452, 720 with an 1172 OPS. He was pretty incredible. 49 home runs that year, too. There's no debating that. All right, very good. That was a good tidbit. Tubular is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Orioles Brewers, 740 night on Mass and Dean Kramer, and maybe future Oriole, Corbin, Corbin Burns. <laughs> maybe. Probably not. Uh, game three of the NBA Finals tonight at 8.30 on ABC, Nuggets and Heat. Uh, Tennis Channel for French Open coverage earlier today. The last American standing Coco Golf lost to Iga Sviantek. So right now, uh, men's quarterfinals, one set apiece for uh, Alex Zverev and Tomas Echeverry, but Zverev's up by a break in the third. I don't like that at all. And then uh, one more men's quarterfinal today, Casper uh, Ruud and Holger Rune. You throw out all the records when Ruud and Rune get together. Everybody knows that. Uh, Johns Hopkins Baseball, Game 1 of the Division Three College World Series Final. Uh, they're playing Lynchburg, best of three series. It begins today at 1 o'clock on NCAA.com for the national championship. The rest of the baseball find at GlennClarkRadio.com. Game 1 of the Women's College World Series Final tonight, Oklahoma, Florida State, 8 o'clock on ESPN. CBS Sports Network for Orlando Pride, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC at 7.30, TBS for AEW Dynamite at 8. I tell you about the non-sports highlights, but... Somebody forgot to send them to me, Griffin. Thanks a lot. So I just realized I don't have them. So you're on your own, but you'll be watching the Orioles anyway, so who cares? All right, uh, that's that. Uh, reminder, pressboxonline.com slash contest. Sign up to win right now. Four tickets to all of the area minor league baseball teams, plus an easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card for Royal Farms. Pressboxonline.com slash contest. One week left to enter. You must be 18 or older in order to win. Zach Goodman, appreciate you hanging out with us this morning. Uh, remind everybody where you are on Twitter. Uh, at ZGoodman20. And uh, Z you guys are back this Saturday. Correct? We are. For the bat around. We will 10 be there. to noon. Paul and Zach talking baseball. I tried to come to uh, – uh, uh, so Paul, I saw, was fighting with Adam Jones over the weekend on oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah. yeah but, and uh, Well, l- let me put it this way. Paul has the tendency to be uh, reactive on Twitter yes, with, with his posts. Yes, I've noticed that quite a bit <laughs> over the where, years. Where it, 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 you know, yeah, in, but I in didn't a game, think this was egregious. No, it wasn't egregious I didn't think this was egregious. I thought it was – so I thought he, it was weird a little bit. that. And it, so Adam happened to be on the radio show with us on Sunday. Yes. Which um, – and I, I was like, man, that's interesting. And I – you know, it was a relevant conversation to bring up anyway, the Jorge Mateo. And I I did ask Adam about it, and I, I understood his answer. Like, I understood what he was saying. But I think Adam is taking the, the player's perspective, Correct. obviously, because he was one for 20 Correct. years. And that he looks at it as, you know, let's not be so reactive about a guy when there's 162 games I in hear that. the season. I, but I, I do think that there's got to be a point at which it's, it's been breaking. A pretty, it's been a that's pretty the, drawn the, out. It's, it's like one thing if... Your thirty game. If your on base percentage for thirty games is two fifty, that ain't good. Right, right. But I get it. Like it's not, it's not. You know, it's not the end of the world. If, if this is ten at bats, where Jorge Mateo oh. is over ten, and yeah. and Paul saying, well, Jorge Mateo is the worst player I've ever seen, right. then that would not be. Right. I, I wouldn't be saying no, Adam it's, Jones. It's, it's is, a warranted <laughs> conversation. <laughs> right to now, I don't remember how Paul started. I don't remember exactly what he said. Like Paul, I don't know Paul what the, said, an at bat was horrendous. That's what Paul said, and Adam Jones was not too happy so, with it's that. It's so weird. Comment. 
it's such a funny thing for Adam to care about. Like, it's such a weird they, thing. They've been in contact be. a bit. So maybe that it's coming from something with that. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Adam Jones. Well, I, like, look, I, you know, everybody knows I love Adam. He's one of my favorite yes. people, and he's been great to me over the years. He was making fun of my voice on Sunday because I was going through the allergy <laughs> season. So he was on Twitter. Like, so <laughs> I saw that. He was like, that's just how Glenn's I, voice and, sounds. And, and, I, and I love that about Adam, that he actually listens. Like, yeah. like he, he tuned in when Reed and I's show started. He didn't wait until he was on because okay. he wanted to be like engaged with what we were talking about, and I do appreciate that. Like, how many guests do that, right? Well, yeah, like, we, we've had one or two where they go, "Oh, I heard what you said at ten twenty, and we were like, "Yeah, you, you no, did? I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's wonderful. I, yeah. I appreciate yeah. the fact that that you know you do that." And Adam, you know, has been good to me over the years, it's, which is hilarious because we we got into a real fight once, oh, not yeah? like a fist fight, but like a we were ready to come meet each other and oh. and hash it out in twenty twelve, like r- the day before opening day. He went after Luke Jones of all people. Of all people, Luke Jones. Who is Luke Jones? Luke um, works for my old radio station okay. that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, and Luke is the nicest kid you'll ever meet. And I, I don't know what it was the day before opening day, but the Orioles had a workout, and Luke asked some innocuous question, and Adam like went off, like just went off. And I, I just basically judge Luke because of the mic flag that he was holding, like treated him like he was, you know, that that clown. OK. Um, and so I I heard that we played the clip on the show and I heard it and I was like, what in the F? Yeah. And I just kind of let loose like, dude, what are you doing? And then remember, we had no idea the 2012 Orioles were going to be any good. Sure. So we're coming out of, you know, 15 years of misery. And I'm like, are you for real right now? Like, are you really doing this? And he got wind of it, and he started tweeting at me, and it became this whole thing. And so I texted him, and I said, dude, we can just deal with this. Like, let's talk. You and I, like, like if you're not allowed to come on the radio station because the Orioles had banned, like, players from coming on the station, yeah. fine. You and I can just go meet up tonight. I'll, I'll be downtown. Let's meet at Frank and Nick's at this time. And he was like, great, see you then. And I was like, all right, I guess we're dealing with this. Like, this is the way this okay. is going to go. Then I get downtown. I was going to be downtown anyway. I'm not mad about it. Like, and he texted me. He was like, look, man, I, I, was way, I went way too far. Like, I went way too far. I, 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 my bad. All these up. And then I felt like a jerk. And I was like, I guess I have to say the same thing. <laughs> like, I guess I have to acknowledge <laughs> no, the it's, same it, thing. It's like when someone buys you a gift and you didn't get them one. Yeah, you very the, uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, crap. Yeah. So we've, you know, and we've been great ever since, like, ever since that moment. Like, I completely understand. He is an intense dude. He is a yes. competitor. And that, like, I had a couple of his friends that had reached out to me that day. Like, you just got to understand who Adam is. Right. And then, of course, from that point on, I grew to respect that part about him. Like, I appreciate. I think that's one of the best parts about that him. part. Yeah. Like, the, the, the day that he said, I'm, I don't do this to make friends. I do this to win was like the most. I, I could not have yeah. had more respect for him at that point. I remember like, like one day off he had in 2017, and he was like sitting in the bullpen, jumping up and down the entire time and throwing balls around with guys in there. He was just it, the personality no, is I, look, second I, to none I, with I, Adam Jones. I, I love Adam, um, but I thought I just I, I did I caught my eye and I was like, wow, Adam, and, Adam and Paul are fighting on Twitter. What a strange, <laughs> what a strange conundrum. You know what's is. even weirder about that is the amount of respect that Paul does have for Adam Jones. Well, I mean, it's Adam Jones that we're talking about. He's one of the most respected Orioles in modern history. And and the funny thing, too, is even when Adam was, like, scolding him, I thought he was doing it from, like, a place of love. I was going to say, I feel like like Paul probably had the same emotion you did, where, like, you feel bad now because... 
you know, he's Adam Jones and he apologized to you. Well, but or it, not he apologized to you, but right, he's, right. he's trying to make you feel that way. But that was it, the weirdest thing. Like, even in reading like Adam's tweets, he was like, look, man, I love you. And I was like, wow, like what a nice thing for Adam sure. Jones to say. Like what yeah, an incredibly. I, I didn't see that coming. What an incredibly nice thing. Um, well, look, I, Maybe he'll be on the bat around to talk about who it knows? on Saturday. I, mean, I, I don't know. He, I certainly he, don't know. He, he killed it. He was on with us for two segments on Sunday. He was trying to, he was, he was trying to campaign to be Mr. Splash. But he said he didn't want to do it for a whole game because then he wouldn't be able to drink during the game. He wanted to come to a game and just be allowed to come over and be the splash guy for like an inning. I saw someone make a joke when Aaron Hicks was signed. They were like, you might as well just brought in Adam yeah, Jones. Right. And uh, he, he's probably not, he's coming home in July. Probably not the best idea. But he's like, I'm going to go to a couple games and I just want to be able to go out and shoot everybody in the splash zone for a game. I want I want to be able to do that. There's was, no doubt the Orioles are letting him do that. And that's what I said. Like, like you just want to be Mr. Splash. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be Mr. Splash. I'd have to be the whole game. I want to be the splash. I want to drink. I want to have a good time. I want to go out for like the seventh inning stretch and then shoot everybody with a water gun and then go back in and have fun. And I was like, all right, I, I bet I bet they'll be willing to allow They're you to They're going to get Mr. Splashing an umbrella or something. Like that. I, that guy's sitting out in the sun baking in every Orioles game. I mean, not the night games, obviously, yeah, but it's I was looking at that. I'm like, that would be not the most fun job in the world. Uh, I, mean, what, I don't know. He could probably turn around and shoot himself with a water gun. I, I mean, I guess, I guess he could. Like, I'm pretty sure he can do that. All right. Uh, thank you for coming in and hanging out with us of today. Course. Thanks to uh, Mike Devereaux. Thanks to Walt Williams. Thanks to Rex Hoggard. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. Have it, Glenn Clark I'm still going to do it, That's Glenn. fine. It's fine. Thank I'm going to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Tomorrow on the program, uh, I believe Dan Duquette is scheduled to join us oh, to talk fun. about uh, Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins and some of his guys that have uh, still been a part of this thing. What else is coming up? I feel like he told me there was something else that we were doing tomorrow. Dan I du- don't remember. I know Dan Duquette. It's, Dan Duquette is a, he was so misinterpreted by people when he was in Baltimore. He did a fantastic job for the most part. Well, I, I, and I that's, dis- that's an opinion I will I, never walk away from. I don't disagree with that at all. I will never walk away um, from that opinion. It's obviously awkward, like how things played out. With, I guess. Like then sort of holding him hostage here when he didn't want to be here any longer and forcing him to make trades that were going to have no impact on him. Like he knew he was gone. Right. And yet he was the one that had to make the Manny Machado trade. Yes. Yes. It's a bit awkward. Basically ensuring that he might never get like, a job in baseball again. Like, yeah. it's a bit awkward, you know? But I like Dan. I've always liked Dan. Really so good guy. We'll catch up with him tomorrow and stuff and things on the program tomorrow as well. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including AJ Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Costas Inn, the Baltimore Orioles, All American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin still, and despite the fact that he forgot to send me tubular, at Griffin underscore bass. <laughs> Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Birds. Go Hopkins Baseball. Duke sucks.